Jesus. <laughs> that was a joke before we started. Are we recording? Yeah. All right. Jada Pinkett Smith. Let's not go there. <laughs> 22. 22. I'm just going to leave this roll out. I'm so much happier listening to this than I am singing on it. That was crazy nuts. Good. Do, that, do that squeaky noise again. Yeah, do that. Squeaky noise. That's nuts. Yeah, it's good. It's, uh... Sorry, when, whenever someone... Oh, man, this, I was about to say, whenever someone of extreme talent comes in the room, obviously that's every time because Aiden's here. Oh, that's so nice of you. I didn't pay you, I didn't, I didn't, pay you for that. No, I know, but it's like I didn't want it to sound like, but, you know, I was bagging you. No, not at all. But that, I just can't, I can't sing one of that stuff. That's good. That's amazing. That was good. Thank yeah. you for bringing that along. It's all right. Key that's, of Jesus. I enjoyed that. The key of Jesus. <laughs> the key of... Why hasn't happens. there been an album called... There must have been. The key of Jesus. <laughs> there must have been. I remember, Google that. There's going to be one. I remember a, fr a friend from Australia years ago, Simon Kelly... Did me a cassette. This is how long we're talking. He sent me a cassette in the post and it was called Songs in the Key of Carl. Oh, nice. I was like, thanks, mate. It was like Jethro Tull on there and crazy stuff. It was awesome. It was a good, it was a good cassette. It's a good key. Anyway, let's say yeah. uh, it's, it's a good key. I'm not as good as the key of Jesus. <laughs> so it's not a violin then, is it? Are no, we? that was a viola. Yeah. It's a viola. Yeah, okay. yeah. Correct. Well spotted. It's almost Thank like you. you knew that already. <laughs> it's almost like we've met before. Which, it's almost, like, we've met it's almost like we've been playing for the past 30 years yeah, together. That's true. Do that's the true. introduction, Mr. A. Um, so we have the wonderfully talented, brilliant Mr. Neil Valentine with us. Hello. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. Always a pleasure. More than welcome. Um, and we did meet literally 30 years ago. It would have been, yeah. I think yeah. so. Um, that's a story. Um, was it before? It was in Youth Orchestra, wasn't it? That's yeah. when we would have met. So, so I, I knew you before I knew you as a as a guitarist or a bass player. I knew yeah. you as a trombone player because I hadn't even I hadn't even picked up the guitar by that point. Okay, so that would have been why. Yeah, because yeah. I started playing guitar at age sixteen, and I think okay, how old? Because we were in the same year. So how old were we in Syo? Uh, yeah, I was fifteen when I joined. Yeah, yeah, that's so, right. Yeah, exactly. 
Madness. That's 25 years. Stop it. Stop it. Yeah. (laughs) Stop it. What was the first tour you went on? Um, I think it might have been the China tour. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Because you, yeah, okay. You went to China? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we did, yeah. Yeah. When you thought it was 15? Uh, 18. 18. Yeah. Oh, that's much better. Yeah. (laughs) But that that was quite an experience, wasn't it? It was. Yeah. Really crazy experience. Um, Nowadays, when like youth orchestras go on on tour, it's wildly different from when we went on on tour, like with the change in the rules and everything, oh, parents freaking out and political everything, political correctness and, and all that kind of fear. stuff. Yeah, yeah, a bit, but also just I think sensibility. Yeah. I think as well, <laughs> like I think it, you know these things, and and I, you know I wouldn't change it for the world, but you know we'll looking see. back, we've got some stories. I mean, the main thing there's um so the, the, there's a, there's a lady called Jane Higgins. So if she's listening, shout out Jane Higgins. She um was the head of music at Taunton's College in Southampton when I was there. Oh yeah, and um she basically when we she came to China with us, and in one of the towns, so we were this eighteen year olds, um and so there was in Qingdao there was that nightclub in the basement. Yeah, Do you remember the nightclub yeah, yeah, in yeah. the basement? Yeah, and normally when you go away and there's the adults in inverted commas they know roughly what's going on like they know that the 18 and 17 year olds are in a room they know where they are yeah you know if there are 13 and 14 year olds they go and break it up but they know that older kids are gonna are gonna get up to some mischief so they just let them get up to mischief um but in this in this in this hotel um there was this nightclub at the bottom and I think we were very responsible because we didn't let the young or didn't tell the younger, the younger kind of young 14 and below. All right. But we, we were out, we were out every night in this, in this nightclub and none of the staff knew. And when they found out a few weeks later, it they was like, just Whoa. like, oh my gosh. You know? <laughs> and, and it was one of these, there was this. Um, but you're all 18. So yeah, yeah. but it, but it was, it was a, it was a nightclub in the kind of slightly dodgy sense as well. Cause there was <laughs> moments. And if you remember where the dance floor cleared, oh, my parents listened to this. Yeah. <laughs> the dance floor cleared and, um, and, Too late. and female dancers just appeared on the stage. Uh, okay. It was madness. Yeah. Absolute madness. Some, uh... So maybe Brilliant. we should cut that out. I'm not but sure we're going to get anyone else right. in trouble. But well, no. they made the mistake of sending someone from Meridian with us, didn't they? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. And so it was all documented and that's on YouTube. I think, Doesn't that as well? seem nuts yeah. now that they would, we would never get that in channel three, just a half an hour just de- dedicated to an orchestra going on tour. You just, it just, it just wouldn't happen, would it? No, I don't think so. It seems really crazy now. But... Well, maybe, well, well, they probably would, but they would just get you to do it yourself. You, you would just record it yourself. Wouldn't yeah. You? But and to film devote, it yourself. Like, half an hour of primetime TV. Yeah, maybe. It. Yeah. It's got a, what's it going to knock like EastEnders off the schedule or something? No, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ricky! But, but, but somebody might. There's an orchestra on BBC Two. <laughs> but someone might do a YouTube video, but it just wouldn't be, as you say, it wouldn't be one of the mainstream channels. It would no. be. No, it would just it would just live on iPlayer yeah. or something, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, crazy. Yeah. So this, this guy came out with us. I'd like to think he had tape in his camcorder. Yeah. It probably did, didn't it? He probably did. It was probably one of those, probably a whole VHS, stick it into a camcorder, one of those ones. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I'd forgotten that he, that guy, guy came along. Yeah. Yeah. He always reminded me of Chris Packham, looking back on it. I don't know why. <laughs> he was he was actually one of those dancing girls you mentioned. Oh, really? <laughs> all right. Just had a multiple personality. You just said, uh, yeah, you just said this cross-dressing thing. <laughs> yeah. Was he, he was given the opportunity to come to China. For, I guess he was paid to go to China for I'm sure how long we were there. Yeah. But he spent the whole time just looking really pissed off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just regretting the experience. <laughs> oh, man. 
Because that, sick of this that shit. video went round. I can't remember about a couple of years ago, someone found it and then put it on YouTube and sent the link around. I don't know if you rewatched it. When yes, it I have. <laughs> and it's amazing how young, you know, you, you look and how just, yeah, just ridiculously different. So you kind of see well, how, how old were you when I met you, Aiden? Can, can we work well, that out? Probably about the same age. Okay. Probably about the same age. Yeah, maybe just after that. Just after that. Was that at school yeah. or college? No, through bands, I think, just... I know, exactly. I remember exactly meeting you, you... because I... Your amp oh. broke, your heart key amp broke. Yes, as it always did. Um, um, we'd, we'd shared lineups before in the past, but we'd never really spoken before, and I had exactly the same amp. You and did. And you had a gig. That's it. So I, so I didn't meet you at your house. You directed me to some dodgy lay-by in Foley. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Rob know that label. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah but and I've, I've just instantly trusted you with this like five hundred pound bit of equipment. Yeah. <laughs> but um, but then and then I think I was going through a bodgy breakup at the time, whatever. And you said, "Yeah, oh, I'll come round. I'll cheer you up with some music." And then you bloody did. And you said, we, had a, "We had a bass jam." But yeah, we had a bass jam, and you introduced me to Espen Spencer Trio, and the rest is history. You know what I mean? So it was, mm-hmm. um, yeah. Thanks for that. Thanks for that. <laughs> But I've got to ask you. Yes. Um, in that orchestra, yeah. was that your first instrument? I always go, oh, this is my stock question. Yeah, so... Um, give, me yeah. The, give me the lowdown on why. Why? Why the first instrument, why you chose what you chose, so how you chose when what you I chose. was... I mean, I, I consider myself really lucky, actually, because mm. I come from a musical family, my dad's side of the family. Um, so my my eldest cousin, so my eldest cousins, there are four cousins who are all, all old, older than me, they're... they're a brother and three sisters and they have all been or one of them still is professional musicians wow um so it was kind of in the family and i remember very vividly my eldest cousin gina who she was a member of the viola section in the lso for years before Ooh. she knackered her shoulder that's like the beatles in yeah. terms of london, yeah. london symphony <laughs> orchestra so, <laughs> oh, so oh, yeah. she right. she she recorded all of the harry potter soundtracks oh, wow. and and the uh prequel um, all the Star Wars prequels, she's Amazing. in the orchestra for that and all that kind of stuff. So she was a member of the London Symphony Orchestra for 20 years or something. And I remember her being, she must have been 17 or something, and I would have been, uh, how I think she's 12 years older than me, I think. Um, so, yeah, I would have been six or seven yeah. at a family gathering, and, and she played her violin at the time. And I remember that being like the first kind of like, oh, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I like this a lot. That's and so same. I said to my dad, I'd like to um, play the violin. Did that for ages. And then my teacher said to me when I was 14, uh, if you want to play in an orchestra, because I really did, um, then you should switch to the viola. Just mainly, she sold it to me, mainly because of the uh, competition was less at the time. And at the, at the uh, back then in the kind of mid 90s, the, the, you know, and there still is a bit of a, the viola has a tiny bit of a bad rep in some, but it's it, talking it, to two bass players here. <laughs> that's true. We, we can get together. We can like, we can, uh, we can, can, can bitch console, about other people. Console each console other. Console each other. Um, but I didn't see it as a, as a downgrading at all. I was like, no, this sounds great. So, um, yeah, great time. And the, the brilliant thing about that musically that I learned from being in an orchestra was, just being in the middle of everything, like as a viola player, you are you don't get the tune very much, you don't play bass lines very much. Everything you have is harmony and rhythm. Oh, yeah. Everything you have, and then and then snippets of stuff. So you like, you have to be good at lots of different roles, okay. and you have to be really um, engaged and uh, 
like the sense of team and the sense of being in the middle, yeah. um, really satisfying. Really enjoyed that a lot. No, because this is, we talked to Aidan's older brother about all this and it blew my mind. The, the whole, what an orchestra consists of, because it's something I've never really thought of. Because I enjoy that music, but it's not something I've ever put on. But like, like one thing that interests me is the sheer, what sort of volumes? Well, I, I mean, uh, like a full orchestra. It's, that's got to be... Bloody it's loud. massive, but it's yeah. no. I mean, it's no bigger than a than a than a band turning it all the way up. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, but it's just in a. I think it's just it's a it's a different thing because of the, like, good classical orchestral symphonies, for instance. They kind of ebb and flow. They've got more in common with an entire album of a band played without applause in between than they do with a band playing their greatest hits or something like that. Yeah. So you've got like all the ebbs and flows and like, so the volume is a big thing. And actually where I was, um, where the viola section tends to sit, you've got the brass section right behind that's trumpets and trombones. Yeah. And so in some of the really big stuff, like, then you can be in the bit of the firing line. Yeah. And now because of various um, health and safety things, there are lots of professional orchestras use acoustic shields and whatever. Um, I mean, it can be it can be loud. Actually, yeah. the biggest thing um, I remember doing uh, back then, anyway, was um, we did this um, thing called the uh, Euro Orchestras Festival or something like that, and there were three other youth orchestras, I think, from from Europe that came to Southampton, and we did a joint concert and we played this uh, piece of music by a Russian composer called Kachaturian, and there was it was I mean, we're talking like. Must have been three hundred kids playing together at the same time. Um, absolutely massive, and uh, yeah, that was quite. Because it's an acoustic thing, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's not necessarily you don't use a PA to. Well, I imagine in big venues you obviously do, and it's mic'd up in a specific way. But just sheer acoustic volume, it's like you can only go so loud on acoustic guitar. But and then you... and then these opera singers sing over the top yeah. of it, unamplified. Mm. It's amazing. Yeah, yeah, incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. But that's where the like the craft of a good composer comes in because if you you need to create it's like, you know, you have to create acoustic holes. Mm. And like when I do work with um with kids and actually I was a, I was working for a music festival called Music for Youth. Uh and I was in where was I? Uh Bristol a couple of weekends ago. Um and uh there was this uh it's basically the festival is a mixture of of kids playing loads of different kinds of music. And my job is to stand up at the end and tell them all how great they are, basically. So they go away feeling good about themselves. Yeah, okay. um, and uh, there was a band playing this. Uh, I can't remember what they were called, but they were th a three-piece, clearly 16 or so in college. And basically, I was talking to them and saying, this is really, you know, what you're doing is really, really good. But what, you're, what you've done by all of you playing in the same texture, you've got everything is in the middle. You've got two guitarists and you've got a singer who's singing at the same pitch as the acoustic yeah. guitarist. So you've got no, you've got no holes. If you're all going to sit there and play open chords for the whole time, and one of you occasionally does something, then you're just going to have this really thick, muddy texture. That's it. Where's so the you, space? Yeah. And so, so in an orchestra, like a good composer, you've got to create that space. So yeah, you've got to be amazing to be able to like laser it over the top if you're a singer. But, but someone like, um, you might have heard of a violinist called Nicola Benedetti, for instance, she won Young Musician of the Year, but like violin soloists, Violin isn't a particularly loud instrument when you pack it up against four French horns and three no, trombones. Exactly. But if it's written well, yeah, then there's a hole. There should be a hole where yeah. the violin sits, um, so it can kind of carry. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's good no, stuff. It yeah, no, it is. It's a whole world. I've never yeah. dabbled with it to be honest. You know what well, I mean, I mean, and actually, 
why should you? You know, I mean, it is, and, and actually you have, because I presume you watch films. Oh, yeah, well, that's it. Yeah, exactly. So, like, all of that music is... It's some, it's some of the most emotive yeah. music in the world, you know what I mean? It makes you... Like, we've all done the thing where you watch a film without any sound, and it's just not grabbing you as much as it does when you've got that backing track, or, you know, with, with the orchestral backing track yeah. and all that. We've all and there's that, something so. about the orchestral sound, especially with the, the mix of the different timbres, which... Um, can fade in and fade out and swell and shift and change without kind of impacting on the the you don't get taken out of the world like those the films that have you know electronic soundtracks can do the similar thing but if you've got like a quite a rock heavy soundtrack or something mm. that's that's for a kind of shocking kind of reason whereas you know someone like John Williams you know it's incredible tunes of course he does but if you listen to any of his scores like there's a one of the uh, I think it's in Jurassic Park when there's just change of scene, change of scene, change of scene, and you'd hardly notice the music shift. Absolutely yeah, amazing the way he kind of melds one thing with another, with another, with another, with another. Um, and yeah, I think electronic music and class and kind of orchestral music, you can do that with really yeah. effectively. Yeah. Do you have a personal favourite? Uh, film, film composer. Or, yeah, film wise. Oh, uh, that's a good one. Leila Schifrin. <laughs> <laughs> no, do you know what? I'm really, I mean, I, you can't, you can't go further than Hans Zimmer, actually. You know, right. he's one of those guys that you've got the John Williams side of things, big orchestral things, but like Hans Zimmer, just his sound world production and the way he's been able to build a studio. Because do you think he writes much of his music anymore? Who knows? Oh. Who knows? Let's not get into that. It's even John Williams, isn't it? I mean, <laughs> yeah. how much of the arranging does he do? Does most of it? Doesn't do you think so? Because I, so, I hear yeah. that he, you know, he kind of has the themes and the harmony, and then okay. someone else kind of fleshes it out. Well, it works. It yeah. actually reminds me. What's her name? Hilda Goodestotter, something like that. The Icelandic composer who wrote the music for Joker. Okay. Oh, right. And she wrote the music for Chernobyl. I don't know if you saw that series. Oh, you on. Know that. Okay, oh amazing. That. Yeah. I love that show, actually. Yeah. I was obsessed with that. Yeah, she, yeah. like her stuff, extraordinary. Ah. And um, also a guy called Johan Johansson, who unfortunately he died a couple, a few years ago, but he did the music for um, Theory of Everything. And also for Arrival. I don't know if you saw that mm -hmm. film, Arrival 2016, oh, you know, the Dennis Villeneuve yeah, film. Know it, yeah. Is that, um, um, what's his name? That was Amy Adams, Arrival. That's Amy Adams, yeah. Jeremy Renner. It's one of my favorite films, partly because of the soundtrack. Because he's, yeah. it's, um, he writes this, um, just these really simple, I really like kind of ostinato based music. And classical composers that do it well, you've got the, like back in school when you might have learned about minimalism, you know, when music that repeats itself and repeats itself yeah. and repeats itself, you would have learned about com cast composers like Steve Reich, who just did lots of kind of rhythmic stuff or a guy called Philip Glass, where you'd have all these, um, you know, a, a pattern that's in D major, say, and and he'll play it for five minutes and he'll subtly change one note and then oh. he'll change another note. Nick. And it's nice. Uh, Nick Bach. Oh yeah, yeah, that's very he's similar. Very similar to what yeah. he does. Yeah, you'd like it. I don't know if you heard of him. You know, no. he's really like, you'd like him. He's got an album called Ronin. Okay. Yeah. Well, is that the band? I don't know, but it's right. it's they're, they're, they're called he calls them modules or whatever. Module yeah. forty six. Mm. Module. And literally, it's exactly what he describes. And yeah. So, and it blows my mind because it's it's euphoric, hypnotic. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you notice the bass players and hang on, he's in six eight or whatever. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, or, yeah. And, and you're like and it's and then it morphs and yeah. so and then he'll just do a signal and it'll change and. I love that it's stuff. I, um, really I, I edit these podcasts. This, this is an audio note to myself to send stuff to Neil. Okay. Yeah, so when you receive a link, yeah. you know this is when I'm editing the podcast. Okay. Nice. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. But in, <laughs> but a, in like a classical it. world, you've got like you've got like a rhythmic thing going like that, you know, a D majory thing. And then someone like Johann Johansson or there's various other guys, Niels Fram, like the guy, the German guy we went mm. to see at the Guildhall. That was great. Um, you'll have and then so you've got that thing, and then you'll just change the bass note and it will drop down and really long bass note. And the way they think about harmony is not in like a chord-based thing. You're not thinking about, okay, I'm on B7 here. I'm going to go to E sharp diminished or whatever it is you're going to think to. They're literally just thinking about the sonic space, sonic like the space, way an yeah. electronic musician That's, would think about yeah. it. You know, you've got, the, you've got your, your, your arrangement view on Ableton or whatever it is you're looking at. And then you're just like, oh, what does it sound like I would do that there yeah. and that there? So the way they do, the way composers can do that with music, I find really satisfying. And, yeah. it's, and, it, and it's really filmic. It's so. essentially... You're you're essentially saying, um, I don't know. Are you saying that, like who's who's a famous composer? You know all the classics, Bach, whatever. Like, yeah, Tchaikovsky. Let's Bach, go there. Whatever, Let's yeah. go there because that's where my brain knows. <laughs> um, are we? Are you saying he's Dead Mouse is the modern Bach? I mean, in yeah. a way, yeah. Why, why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Um, I mean. And the thing about, I mean, specifically about Bach is in, in the classical music circles, he's really famous for playing, um, for using like codes and sequences and setting up like patterns, like, like you know, electronic musicians might use arpeggiators or something yeah, like yeah. that. And so he'll he'll set up like harmonic, um, yeah, like harmonic games almost, where it will go to here and then it'll go to here and then it'll go to here and he'll go through some roundabout way and then it'll get back to the home key. And composers like dead mouse do exactly the same yeah, thing essentially, but yeah. they'll but they won't just use harmony they'll use like rhythm and then they'll use effects and then they'll, they'll use other things as well um I'm, i i do love the thought that if composers like bach you mentioned you know he's a great example if he was alive today I'll, he yeah. wouldn't be in a church on an organ no he would be plugged in headphones yeah, in he yeah. would be deep in synthesizers and <laughs> you know that is i i often think like i think Jimi hendrix i think miles davis you know, the things that they were doing when they went, where would they be now? You know yeah, what I mean? madness. You know what I mean? I think, and that's, and you're going back further again. Which yeah, is, yeah, you know yeah. What I mean, incredible. Yeah. That's, um, that would be a great, that would be good. That would be a good sort yeah, of. Yeah, let's, let's, let's do it. Let's do some feature yeah, on where we think these people would be now. <laughs> that would be really interesting. Yeah. Really so do you think technology is driving that change or do you think it would have happened for? Oh, no, definitely. Just because sense. of the, um, like as a composer, when you write stuff, you write for what you have, don't you? Mm. You know, guitar-based songs sound like guitar-based songs because you write for a good, in a guitar-based thing. And so it sounds that way because of the design of the way the guitar is and the way you've learned. And if you're changing the tuning or using different techniques, then great, then fine. But it's based on a system that you're, that you're working within. And when you've got, you know, some of the programs like Ableton and, you know, we're recording on Logic today um, or Audio Mulch or any of these crazy programs, like the flexibility, the depth you can go into, and and but also the automation. Like, have you yeah. have you used able have you used Ableton? I've used Ableton. I'm, yeah, no, I'll use um, but so other ones though. But yeah, but the so the Ableton. If you plug in the Ableton push, so you spend five hundred quid on the program, spend two grand on your laptop, and spend another five hundred quid on <laughs> Ableton push, which is their their touch. You know their yeah. That's their what I was grid. just about to mention. I just and, bought and, an Atom. Yeah, right. It's a similar thing for Presonus. Yeah, but it's all. All everything's like all the all the like the 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 hot keys almost yeah. are all pre built in. Yeah. So you can like you can write crazy music yeah. just by. We got I got an uh, Presonus Atom at home, which okay. is a cheap version of what you're saying, and it's yeah. just an entry sort of level. But I don't need a piano. 
because all the notes are there and I just go do do no do do and it's just do 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 you know what I mean and you can just smash in by pushing these buttons and then the flexibility of the way you can the access to to preamps and effects and you know the way that you can do it and then you can automate your mastering and everything it's um yeah, we we use it for backing tracks, chic to chic thing. Yeah, for Ableton. Um, How yeah, much? Ableton Live, and it's that the amazing thing is, is that it allows you to screw up. Whereas normally, if you're just playing to a backing track, with power more or less, we had um, click panned hard left, and then all the backing track panned hard right. So the backing track was mono, and then we just heard the click, and we just had the left in our ears. Um, and then if you made a mistake, you'd have to stop it. There's nothing you could do about it. Just and then carry on through the rest of the song without no backing track. Yeah, which yeah, is like flying by the seat of your pants. Um, <laughs> but Harry, our drummer, who has he, the way he set it up is that he's got like I think it's got it's like landmarks almost in the. Um, ah, so if you get to another timeline. point in the song, he can trigger. Yeah. If you do mess up, you can chop out and then trigger. We, we did a gig yeah, in Bushy on Friday, and he listens to this. So I'm sorry, Harry, but he um, <laughs> he. Um, he does it all in like an SVD, and then one of the one the stop button is very close to him, like, like his clap button or his or his bongo button or whatever, his bongo pad. And he actually he looked at me because I was being a twat and I was trying I was distracting him. He looked up at me, and as a, as a result, he lifted up his stick and hit the button above the one he was aiming for, which was the stop button. <laughs> and I was like, oh my god, we, we lost all the strings, we lost everything. Uh... Um, but yeah, he, he was amazing. He was amazing because he had it back in like. I don't know, 16 bars because he had this landmark and he thought to himself ahead, right, if I hit this button by this point, it will join back in and it will yeah. be seamless. And it that's was, it. and we got through the song. Nice. But that's because Ableton Live is, is geared up to let you do that. Does he have it brigged in so it's like following his tempo as well? Um, there's a click as part of the backing track. Okay, right. So we have we have two, um, we have the backing track left and right out and we have the click out as well and then nice. the sound man can... Bring it up and down. I got burned with Ableton a few years ago. This is um like before we were recording, we we're talking about Reflections, this album I did with Watchers Eight, which is um like if you want to know the kind of music I like l- listen to regularly, then have a listen to that. Okay. Or orchestral, um uh like if it's vocal, the vocal stuff is very much um uh repetitive or long and beautiful. Okay. It's not like not so not, not, not forefront, not, a bit not, more minimal, not melodic but, driven. Oh, okay. You know. Okay. Um, well, but but because but I, I really like I I think of harmony as melody in lots of ways. Okay. So like I really like music where the harmony kind of like the melody is almost like the result of the harmony. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. So um, have you anyway. got some examples? Other examples? Oh. Like what Sig- Sigur Ross? Yeah. Would they exactly. Be on your... Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Sigur Ross are, are right up there. Okay. Yeah. Because yeah, I mean his melody writing. Yeah, that's a really good example actually. Hmm. Because it is clear melody, but it's not. <laughs> no, not in the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I have to go back to it. Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. Revisit. <laughs> one that yeah, really got it. me recently was the um, the theme to the Imitation Game. Okay. Do you know that one? I probably do, but I'm going to find out who composed okay. it. It's, br- it's brilliant. And I think actually the use it has a big use of Austin Idol, like you were saying. Okay. I on a side note, I always thought that. Just sort of finishing off on the films and the, and you know and all that sort of stuff. What we're talking about in a minute is, but what a job that would be to be a film. Well, is it a musical director where you're like because like, um, George Clooney, Jennifer Lopez, Out of Sight. I was you thinking seen, about that film. Have you seen day. that movie? Oh my gosh! Yeah. Well, it's not. It's what not a, a great movie. It's a great. But but the soundtrack. Someone has sat there and thought, I want. 
and I don't know, the process is really fascinating. Sure. Me. The, yeah. the, the soundtrack to that film is brilliant. I don't, I I don't remember the soundtrack. No, but but I will revisit check it, out. it and, revisit and it. it just makes you think, oh, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and some of the stuff, um, some of the instrumental funk, jazz sort of keys and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But what a job to pick and choose and have that sort of um, ability to sort of, I want that one, I want that song. You know, and then there's some classic funk on there and all that yeah. sort of stuff. And that's a great job. That would be yeah, a good job. I would be a good job. I had a really geeky, a really geeky morning, well, a little while ago, because there's this, um, I've forgotten his name, but there was a composer who was scoring a, um, like a TV series, I think it was, in um, Abbey Road Studio Number 1, the big one. Um, and it was his YouTube video has got a link to the scores. So you can download the score in PDF, and then you can watch it. And he, he recorded the whole recording, like four hours worth of recording, um, record, the recording session. And you can sit there and you can follow along with the score and you can see where he's punching in and out and like he says, I want to change this, I want to change this. And you can just, it's like, yeah, it's really cool. That's amazing. amazing. It would be great, wouldn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all aspire to this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just like I peek behind the scenes actually because you realise how much, I, when you're watching a film, I don't think it's, you can always tell how much effort has gone into oh, the no music, and especially if you're talking about John Williams with his big orchestral, orchestral scores. Yeah. It's just music to some people, isn't it? But actually yeah. when you, when you watch, like sometimes on the DVD extras, you see him up there conducting, don't you? Mm. And there's a hundred musicians in front of him. You think, bloody hell. Yeah, yeah. That's like, yeah, all <laughs> yeah. paid to be there and all the pressure's on. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And then sometimes they've got the film playing and they react, you know, you've got to react to the film. I've seen that as well. Where, and the it? pressure, like as a player, especially if you, like if you play a string instrument, you can kind of hide sometimes. But if you're playing like a brass instrument or like the, in the orchestral <laughs> circles, the one instrument is is first horn, right? Okay. Because first horn, you know, so the French horn is like that, um, the classic Lord of the Rings. That's, you know, heroes coming over the hill. Yeah. Um, and they, for French horn, the, the solo lines are often very high. Oh. And the way it works, you've got to, like the accuracy is ridiculous. Yeah. So first horn is often referred to as like the uh, the stuntman of the orchestra. <laughs> you know, you're paid a lot to be yeah. there for sure. But you've got, you know, you've got all these people, you've got the director, the musical director, you've got everyone that's got the arranger, you've got all of your colleagues. And it's not like a gig where you hit it and if it's wrong, it's gone, it's done. You know, it has to be right. Yeah. Otherwise you're wasting money. Yeah, so, so yeah. you know. Those guys. They're letting down a lot of people. Did my, I don't know if my brother Mark told the story of the trumpet player from James Bond. But okay. the trumpet player is the guy who's done it since pretty much year dot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All the way through. Still um, to this day? Yeah, well, this story might be 10 years old, 15 oh, years old. But um, he, So there's a new composer come in. And obviously the James Bond theme is the James Bond theme. So this guy's played the James Bond theme for, you know. Are we talking? Yeah. All right, that classic. And the conductor said to him... This is the story. I don't know if it's true, but I hope it's true. Um, I'd really like to be up the octave, please. And the trumpet said, trumpet player is like, I just, I don't, it's not up the octave. You're getting it wrong. Like, this is the theme and it's not up the octave. And um, he said to him something like, okay, if you pay me this amount of money, I'll do it for you and I'll do it in one take. Really? Yeah. So the, so the conductor's like, I need it up the octave. Here's the money. And he did it in one take and I nailed it. Like a squeely <laughs> yeah. top, like top yeah. trumpet. And he just did it. Like, yeah, cool. <laughs> That's what these musicians are like. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, that's a level uh, I'm there was a, a million miles away from. I've back so ten years ago or something. Um, there was a Joe Wright film of Anna Karenina. Okay. The, oh. uh, the 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 kind of is it by Tolstoy Anna Karenina? Anyway, um, I got I got uh, I was on one of the extras on it, 
So I was in the orchestra, like these go. big ball scenes, the ball. So, and two two things that happened. Well, three things. One, I hang around for so bloody long time. I got to do my taxes. So that was uh, that was uh, that was good. The, the second thing um, was that I was I was in the in the viola section, which is in the set in the center. And I thought I'm going to be in so much of the film because I'm right in the middle. First thing the director said was, "You're too tall. Go to the back." So I'm hardly in anything. You can still see me from a distance. And the third thing is, there was this trumpet player, and they gave us fake instruments. Okay, that don't work. So you're so the brass instruments. You're you know, I think they were blocked up, oh, so right. you couldn't get the air through. Um, and the string instruments had bows, which were they put you put soap on the bow yeah, so it doesn't, so it doesn't make, make any make sound, sound um, all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And the uh, this trumpet player, absolute moron, he spent the entire week because we were there four days, I think, fixing the trumpet. <laughs> Oh so God. he took it upon himself to fix the trumpet. Well, he, he thought it, it was broken. No, because he because he was a moron. Um, and uh, and uh, and thinking about how many people there are. I mean, Kira Knightley, for instance, yeah. she's there. And uh, what was the what's the guy who who played Kickass? Oh, oh yeah, I know you're about. I can't remember his name. He was in. Um, um, he was Quicksilver yeah. as well. Aaron. Johnson, Aaron yeah, Johnson, possibly, something yeah. like that. Not, yeah. He he's there. Joe Wright, the director, he's there. All of his other things, us here, loads of extras, an entire room full of extras. And it's the scene when in the story, something like um Anna Karenina is really embarrassed. And because it's, you know, kind of Pride and Prejudice style, being embarrassed in front of the whole family oh, and whatever is the worst thing. So so you're in this thing, we're there. There's opera state, like there's 200 extras in the audience. They do this scene there. The camera pans round. Kira Knightley's in um, in a in a in a beam of light there. And what does this trumpet player who's fixed the trumpet have a guess? What he played in the background? You know, go on, have a guess. I'll go. I'll give you James, a clue. I'm going for James Bond. Nearly. It's uh, it was uh, John, we've already talked about John Williams. Oh, you did. Was it the Imperial March? It was the Imperial March. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this trumpet player just starts going, duh, 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 duh. and everyone was so bloody English about it that nobody said anything. Did they get, and, didn't he get and grabbed was, by the scruff of his neck and, and thrown out? Well, the first director came out and he was like, okay, well done, da da da. Did anyone hear the Imperial March? <laughs> and then, and someone was like, yep, I'm on it. And they they let they wrenched him out. Yeah, get out. he did. He didn't get. He didn't actually get fired because he because of continuity. Oh, of course. Oh. Yeah. Um, so what was he? So, what was he trying to do? Was he, he trying to get Imperial March on the on the film? He just. I guess he thought it would be because that would leak into the mics and everything. And <laughs> yeah, 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 it is yeah. quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is uh, yeah. funny. It's He's just like that. you know when, but you know when you're sat there and and you want the world to swallow you up. Yeah. <laughs> it was one of those moments. Like, oh, oh it's. I'd love to. Uh, we should get him on the podcast. Get him on. Get him on. <laughs> Just Does anyone know who it is? Fuck Who's the guy? <laughs> he did that Imperial March guy. Uh, nice. We were talking about Ableton. I was going to tell you about. Yeah. So no. I got burned by Ableton. Mm. So you, your Ableton works fine. Yeah, it works so pretty well that time. Yeah. Pre-pandemic, I was doing this gig in France, and I'd taken all my Ableton stuff over to France. The way this gig worked is there was a choir I was working with, and they sang a few things, and then there was a community choir that they'd been working with and they sang a few things. And then I had my moment and I had my all my gigs, all my gear kind of set up, brought everything with me. Um, basically, this piece was for, it's for like Loop Station and yep. Ableton. So okay. essentially I was using Ableton like a backing track. So it wasn't like kind of triggering things. It was basically a stop and start and go. And I I, I stood up and my, my bloody computer crashed. 
like the first thing you go on stage. Mm. And then so I was like there and the, the conductor was there and I was like, I'll just play. So, and from that point on, I stopped, I, I um, just, I am um, just used basically like a, a back, like a, a, uh, on iTunes or something. Oh, just because, uh, <laughs> just, yeah, audio, just, an audio just because, file. yeah, just for an audio Can I, file, can I Bluetooth yeah. this to the PA? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that. But yeah, it, no, that, that that's that's happened to me. I did yeah. I did a similar thing on a, on a smaller sort of scale, just a tiny little gig in in Melbourne years and years and years ago, and I had all this. I'd written all this dance music on the PC and all that sort of stuff, and I tracked all this stuff up and I plugged it all back in, and yeah, I couldn't get I couldn't get PC working for love nor money. You mm. know what I mean? So I was just. So I just basically did a solo bass gig, which nice. It was which was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, but, but yeah, technology's brilliant. But oh god, you just want it to work. I mean, don't imagine you? A, you know, does that shit happen to the prodigy? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I imagine don't they have like they must have three or four systems must have set backups. Up. It must do, yeah, for safety. Because I remember. Well, because we went to see Snarky Puppy, did, was it? We went together, didn't we? I didn't go. To, I haven't seen Snarky Puppy. Oh, do we, do we, we saw to, Bill Lawrence. That's right. We went to saw Bill Lawrence. That's right. But I remember going to see Snarky Puppy. And I was thinking the same thing, like they're recording the whole thing because yeah. that's one of the things they, they're quite famous for, don't they? They record every show and then you can buy your, you know, right. a kind of a lossless version of your show that you can download. Cool. As like, so everyone does that. It's another way. Yeah. But they record using, they have three three um, MacBooks that are recording the show. Oh, yeah. Just because, you know, the likelihood is one is going to exactly. screw up. Yeah. I know Pearl Jam did that for a long, long did time, they? didn't they? Yeah, they did oh, a yeah. sort of thing where you could... It's amazing. Can I ask you about Snarky Puppy? Because I'm gone. Then was that a good show? It was a great show. Yeah, yeah, amazing. I was. I mean, so are you a Snarky Puppy fan? I I know them not as intimately as most people, but I do know them a lot okay. of their stuff. There's particular albums I like, and I think right. they're the albums that Snarky Puppy fans don't like. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I remember, um, I, I remember we we had a chat about um, Snarky Puppy with Stu Brewer. Oh yeah, right. and I think it was when um, what's, it, what's the album called with the fish on it, and fish bones on the front. Oh yeah, yeah, like I really, really like that album. I'm gonna have to look that up. Snarky Poppy album. Yeah, yeah, then, yeah. Hold um, on, I, fish I remember the melodies. Stuff. Is it? Is it? It's one of their more recent ones. Okay. I just that song just rings in my soul. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. It's called Immigrants. 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 That album. Yeah, but um. But then a lot of Snarky Puppy fans are like, oh, it's not as good as the old stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the, you know, there's the Aussie band Regurgitator who've got the song, I like your old stuff better than your new stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think oh, that's God. just how it goes, doesn't it? <laughs> Don't but, talk to me. Yeah. yeah. But it was a good yeah. show. Yeah, it was a great was, show. Yeah. Um, I mean, slight, <laughs> so my, what, I think my, one of my favourite Snarky Puppy songs is, is um, uh, called uh, This Is Gold. Okay. Um, which is from their, not their first album. I think it's their second album, Ground Up. Their kind of their that was their breakup album, breakout album, not breakup album, breakout <laughs> album. Um, and uh, it's got the most amazing synth solo on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely I know the one. It's great. extraordinary. Oh man, and it's all live and, that album, isn't it? Yeah, and it's. I mean, it's just like the yeah, way I know, think when you get some soloist that can just rinse the harmony oh, man. just like and all of the flourishes are just within the and then then the high notes and then the way he's using these pitch bends and stuff like this and it's yeah. just it just gets me every single time I think partly because you know you get attached to things don't you and I think because that completely blew my mind when I first listened to it um and I was like oh yeah, it's the one that starts. That's the one I gave the transcription of to, to Michael Lee. Was it? 
Yeah. And he told you it was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was so good. <laughs> you were there, weren't you? I was there, yeah. yeah. <laughs> what, I just... <laughs> what, was that a phone call or an email or something? No, or... this was at Turner Sims in Southampton. Oh, yeah. Shit, was it? See, yeah. Uh, That's wrong. Yeah. Cheers yeah. then, bye. That was an amazing game. Taxi. Yeah. <laughs> it was like that. No, but I think you... I, I'm sure you were right and he was wrong. Let's go with that. Yeah. No, no, because no, yeah. I've double-checked. He, he is right. He is right, okay. <laughs> I mean, he... Oh, okay. Hey. Yeah. Yeah, I, I gave it to him. Do you get points a, for trying? Yeah. I gave it to her and I said, you know, just in case, my like my typical awkward British way, I just yeah. said, just in case you, here's the music of your bass part of his song, just in case you ever forget it. <laughs> and he looked at me and said, I'm, I'm not going to forget this. I wrote it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a completely deadpan dry. Yeah. I was That's like, that oh, English oh, sarcasm completely yeah. missed on Americans. Yeah. So, sorry, Mr. Lee. Sorry. But, <laughs> but at this gig, the, uh, the synth player was obviously a different synth player because they have a few members... Yeah, well, I'm wondering. Static, I'm wondering they... if your synth player, that you, that the keyboard has affected you so much, is the same guy that's on that album. Okay, does a synth solo that takes me to another dimension. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. it just blows my mind. It's just. But it was a different guy in the live gig. And, okay. You know, I'm just thinking. You know, he they're, they're being creative, and, and I'm just just play the solo that he yeah, played. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm the same. I saw I saw the Ben Har- Ben Harper and the Innocent Criminals, and okay. I, I I I sadly passed a while ago. Juan Nelson. Bass player, amazing. And when Ben Harper came to England this particular time, different bass player. And even though he was playing the notes spot on, it just wasn't, he just didn't, it wasn't the same feel. It wasn't the same joyous big man on the bass sort of, yeah. you know, it was just it was different. And I was like, ah, oh, That could be part of it because I, the, um, the guy, I can't remember what his name is, but he is a big black guy. He's And the guy's playing the, the synth solo. Yeah. And there is... With the know, big bendy thing. Yeah, with the big bendy well, that's thing. A, yeah. What is that? We've got the whammy bar on the Yeah, it's, it's amazing. amazing. You get yeah. one of the claps sometimes. Yeah. yeah. I love it, and, yeah. yeah. That's it. They're just kind of so into it. I think it's... Uh, Flea recently said in an interview, he was talking about equipment, because I was just... I'm, I was, I'm always curious about equipment. What do you use to get that sound? You know what I mean? All that... And, but, but Flea says, it doesn't, none of it matters. It's all shit. <laughs> Bring your fingers and your heart. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's what we're trying to say this now. Is, this it? is the same Fair Flea enough. that famously used Gallen Kruger. Yeah. Changed to acoustic amps for two weeks, then went back to the Gallen Kruger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so sold, sold it. Sold it on eBay. Did it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is that the ones I've seen him doing like belly dancing ones? Yeah. Like, like, yeah, he had yeah. it for two weeks. He yeah. did it for two weeks. As an action. So it must make a little bit of a difference. Of course it does. Of course it does. <laughs> of course it does. I reckon, I reckon these people, you know, these celebrities get caught on the spot with stuff, don't they? And, and you know, they've obviously had to, they have to be seen to be endorsing certain stuff and all yeah. that sort of stuff. It he's must a, be he's hard. He's with Ampate now, isn't he? Must be, he? Uh, God, must be so unbearable to be sponsored by all these big mm. companies. And <laughs> Talking of Flea, have you listened to the new Chili's album? Yeah. I have. Thoughts? Yeah. I'd like to give a big shout out to the Universally Speaking Red Hot Chili Pepper podcast. Yeah, oh, for, for whom I have been promoted to bass ambassador. Okay, <laughs> oh, nice. Um, which means that if they've got any bass related stuff, they come to me and I and I. Oh, I'm a little bit jealous. And then uh, my thought my <laughs> thoughts are aired over their podcast. But actually, it's, uh, they're, they're like literally down the road from here. Okay, two, two brothers, Ben and Sam Townsend. Down in Hyde. That's where. Yeah. I, that's where. I, that's where you came around my house that night to teach me about ES, yeah. EST. That uh, was in Hyde. Yeah, there we there go. go. There we go. Um, brilliant it's a really cool podcast um, and being part of that podcast means that suddenly my passion for the chilies is kind of because Dwayne it, it did kind of go a little bit when Frusciante left I didn't yeah. really like Stadium Arcadium and I thought it was a bit baggy you know, there, was some, there was a few hits in there yeah, um, yeah. but this universally speaking uh, <laughs> Love Unlimited Unlimited Love 
Well, you could say I've had a beer, couldn't you? Unlimited <laughs> Love, um, I think is, is my favourite album since By The Way, I think. Okay. Have you, have you listened to it? I've listened to it once through. Well, I mean, to be, for me, the favourite album since By The Way, that's like that's not a massively high bar. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, you know, I think Stadium Arcadium, as you say, you know, cut out one of the discs. Yeah. Or condense them or Which whatever. Which is your peak chili? Oh, oof. apart um, from blood sugar, sex magic. Blood sugar. I mean, <laughs> what 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 a moment on tape! Oh my gosh, blood sugar, sex magic. Um, uh, by the way, has got a, a, a really really. I've got a massive soft spot for by the way, yeah. but I also have a real soft spot for one hot minute as well. Yeah. Which yeah. is, um, Do you yeah. know, what? I recently just saw on YouTube an advert. For well, not an advert, a video of the Chili Peppers talking about One Hot Minute. Okay. Apart from Dave. <laughs> um, and uh, Flea wasn't bagging it. John was saying he has never listened to it. He doesn't want to. He must not, have done. He must have. You know what I mean? He says he hasn't listened to anything, any of the Josh stuff either. And he must well, have done. He must have. You know what I mean? But it's like, but um, yeah, and they were all sort of bagging it, saying, oh, it's not something we play anymore. You know what I mean? And all this. And even though there was a clip of Josh, no, no, what's his name? Klinghoffer. Yeah, playing. Uh, I think they were doing one of the songs on there. Well, I can't remember, but um, but yeah, aeroplane just, is the one they did. Aeroplane, yeah, the, mm-hmm. the one they used to do. Yeah, well done. And um, yeah, it was, it was quite a hard thing to watch. But then I read the comments, and everyone was going, "You cannot write this album off. It's freaking awesome. Mm. It's a, just a dark moment. It's you know, what I mean, yeah. it's, it's different. It's you can't. It's a it's, proper balls out rock oh, production. It's freaking mm. brilliant. That's it's, what it is. If you think about chilies, you think about blood sugar, sex magic. It's it's really stripped down. It's really funky as those of space, yeah. and all that went in one whole minute. Yeah. It's in your face, exactly. Because yeah, Dave Navarro records it's, a million it's, guitar it's parts it's for every song. And, <laughs> yeah. It's not Strat's single call. It's yeah. PRS's with humbuckers. Exactly. That's what that's. And it's like yeah. See, I, I think I'll I'm pretend a bit older I know than... what that means. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I go right back. I go like I like Mother's Milk was what I grew up on. Right. So, you know what I mean? And and, and mo- even before that, Mofo Party Plan, Freaky Style is just a great. I love all that sort of stuff, and that's mm. so when but. I said to you, didn't you, when you did that review, I said, I can't review them because they're so in my growing up mm-hmm. that I can't, I can't. It's impossible to, it's hard to, to bag them. Yourself, you know what I mean? It? I just, I just, there's, there's a love, there's a genuine love mm. for them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, and I don't want to be that guy. And, and I love, I think Josh, no, what's his, is it Josh Klinger? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Josh, yeah, bloody hell. Plays with Pearl Jam now. Yeah. Does he? He does his yeah. own stuff with Pure Line, whatever they're mm. called. But um, I like, Dark Necessities is one of my favourite chili songs with him. You know what I mean? And that's, that's fairly modern cut, you know what I mean? And it was a shame when they left because I thought they were going somewhere with him. And I think John comes back and does his thing, which makes the Chili's a different band than mm. they are with a different guitar. You should so um, obvious. You know I don't know I mean? if you listen to it, but Rick Rubin has a podcast where he chats to each member. Oh, yeah. yeah oh, really? I've been, yeah, yeah I'll check that out. That's really interesting. Mm. And then there's a whole hour of just talking to John about coming back and yeah. how it was and their like, process of getting him back into the band is yeah it's interesting because mm. he he joined in 2019 or something didn't he yeah. so it took three albums to get the album three years to get the album out obviously with COVID and everything, yeah. but... right. so he came back three years ago yeah really okay how long was the other guy in for then he, like I think years. he was out for about ten years was he okay. Answer, yeah okay yeah mad yeah that is mad it's it is impossible to kind of distance yourself from stuff that means something to you. Yeah, growing you know, up. Yeah, growing up. Yeah, like gets into into your soul almost. Yeah. It? It's like you said with um, um the Snarky Puppy track, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. just yeah, yeah. Espion, Swenson. I'll just mention them another time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, when I first heard them, that blew my mind mm. just a little bit. Yeah, just the yeah the kind of concept of so, it. 
so your your musical tastes are uh, what I'm hearing of uh, so far broad, yeah, broad yeah. and wide, broad and wide, it's yeah, broad, and that's that's the way to be. Yeah, yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah, I do. So I think it's more for me about I really enjoy like the vibe of something. Um, and there are some things which, you know, I grew up with loving and you'll never like, you know, talking about, like, I listened to Dirk's podcast with Incubus. I was telling to telling Aiden that, uh, was it you? I can't remember. Yeah, no, we were talking yeah, just, talking before, before, just before. And how Incubus, I just got like this bad impression because I think because of their, like might've been even like, you know, where you judge someone on their CD cover. I like yeah, thought, possibly, yeah. I wasn't really into corn and I kind of thought it was a bit more shouty, screamy. Killy, killy, deathy, deathy, <laughs> than um, than what it is, and so actually after, so I went, you know, this week I've been listening to quite a lot of Incubus, and I was like, how the hell did I miss this? Yeah, yeah, mm. um, yeah. But like, you know, that that similar kind of stuff at the time, you know, I obsessed over Hybrid Theory when that came out. Okay, just totally blew my mind. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, I uh, Reload was the the Metallica album, which okay. blew my blew my mind off, and I and I still the stuff before it, you know, I really enjoy, but I somehow I can't get as into it as yeah, I as I could do because this, this um, is exactly what makes the world go around. It, it's just it, really interesting. You know in a way. I, mean? I love it. Different I, things, yeah, yeah. But I do. I'm really, you know, I I love. Um, I, I mean, there are some. I don't love all jazz. I would say, no. but. You know, talking of Snarky Puppy, that kind of more contemporary, um, and you know, we've been to see Go Go Penguin together oh, as well, and you know, they're extraordinary. Never um, seen them live, right? I've only seen them once. Yeah, it was um, good. Yeah, and the Neil Cowley Trio. I don't know yeah, if you know those oh, guys. Amazing, yeah, yeah. Never seen them live either. No. <laughs> I've, I've played with them. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Amazing. Yeah, their album, The Face of Mount Molehill. Yeah, that's my favourite one. Is it? <laughs> so um, when they released that. Uh, this was 2013 or something. Um, a guy called Julian Ferretto, who's now, he's Australian. He's a jazz violinist. He um, was involved in the arrangements and he put a, a string ensemble together to play with them at the London Jazz Festival. That was great. That's having amazing. to, um, And the, it was brilliant the way to, he, we learned it as well because there were string players who, and if, you, if you're playing the violin or the viola or the cello, Double bass is different, but if you're playing those three, the likelihood that you can feel a groove is is lower than okay. if you're playing almost any other instrument. Like if you're a trumpeter, the likelihood is you've played a bit of jazz at school. Okay. You can but string players just don't do it. So the way this guy Julian taught the rhythms and stuff. So there's this the the opening track is called uh, uh, Rooster Was a Witness. That's it. Yeah. Dun 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 dun. And the way he taught that was with, with words. So he taught us this riff, which went, Rooster was a key witness till somebody found out where he lived and popped a cap in his ass. Now he's dead. And uh, so he taught us all this stuff, like yeah. with these really cool kind of lyrics to them. So That's it's amazing. got a real soft spot in my mind. <laughs> That's, um, that reminds me of a story of when I was a very young kid before I played bass um which is essentially my first instrument i when i was like 11 10 i lived in holland for a while and we had a t i played saxophone for a number of months in the school band and this the teacher mr long i'll never forget him amazing um he did the same thing he used to teach 
rhythms with words. I used to right. do this thing, um, this sort of, um, what's that thing you drag the... Guiro. The Guiro, thank you. And shave, haircuts, six bits. Shave, haircuts, six bits. And it was all words. Okay. Because that's how, that's what, you know, you know words, don't you? Yeah, you do. And, yeah. and, you, and yeah. they're easy to remember and all that sort of stuff. But yeah. that's, that was what you taught. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's like a way of, um, like, a, you know, there's a big debate in music, like pedagogy, like how you teach music about sound before symbol. Like, what, which way do you teach it? Ah, uh, okay. And if you use words, you're kind of circumventing. Like, you're not saying this is a quaver or this is a okay, crotch yeah. or whatever. You're just teaching the rhythm of it and then you're just getting into the the sound of how and the feel of it yeah. rather than worrying about whether it makes sense or not. Are you... What do you do for a living now? Uh, so now I work at the University of Winchester. Okay. I'm part-time there. Um, I run the music centre. Um and uh, I've got a very posh title, Creative Director of the University of Winchester Music mm. Centre. Very cool. Um, it's very nice. Uh, great title. Um, and uh, it's basically like a music service in a university because we don't have, it's not like Southampton or other universities that have like a proper, well, I say proper, but like a straight music course. Like if you're a really good trumpeter or a really good guitarist, well, if actually a guitarist, you might come to Winchester because we have a really good music production and course but if you're learning to play piano or jazz singing or you know opera or whatever you don't come to winchester okay you might come for music theater or music production but then there are loads of students that love doing music yeah and love playing and singing and choirs and orchestras and bands so basically i support those guys so i do that for some of my job and then um now that the pandemic is kind of winding down i'm back out doing freelance work like i was mentioning with the festival i went to bristol yeah. Um, I've spent before I did started my job at the university. I spent twenty years working in music uh, education, working in uh, running projects in primary schools and secondary schools. But well, these are the lost years of Neil. As the far lost as years, concerned. really. Like, what did I do for twenty years? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. literally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, do you remember, like, when you were at school? Did you have one of those guys that came into you to a school and was like, "Okay, you're doing, I don't know, Romans." let's write a song about the Romans and then we'll sing it to your parents after school. Did you do anything like that? Ever? Well, I didn't personally because I didn't find music till about 17. Okay. Like playing in a playing sense. So right. yeah, school, my school musical was um, a teacher who would sit down behind a piano until she got bored and then say, Matthew, can you play the piano? Cause he was better than her anyway. <laughs> At like 13, whatever. My mate, Matty Ogden. And then he'd play, and then we'd sing Bang Bang Maxwell's Silver Hammer. <laughs> okay, yeah. Every week for every, five every, years. For five years. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? And yeah. so I didn't actually take music, but but I'm sure there's... But in primary school, did you did you ever have like a guy who came in and... No. no? Okay. No. I'm very, I've lived... Did, a... did you? <laughs> I'm a lot older. You may have. Yeah. And, 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 and Zoe, my, my girl... Um, she works in the school currently, and and she does mention that these people. And Aidan, you are one of those people, yeah, basically, for sure. You know what I mean? And yeah. who comes in? And so she does. I know it does happen. <laughs> so that's that's kind of what I've been doing. So okay, cool. I um, uh, I I specialize, I guess, in going into into schools or community groups and helping whoever's there make music together. Okay. So one of the things I've done quite a lot of is uh. There's a, a project called Family Orchestra, which Aidan, you were involved with your family yeah. band thing yeah. with Southampton Music Hub. 
And the idea of family orchestra is that you get families and kids and grandparents and, you know, you've got a kid who's seven who's just started playing clarinet at school and their mum maybe used to play violin and so yeah. she's still got it in the box and hasn't played it for 20 years and then granddad plays the trombone or whatever. And then you've got a family of kids who don't play anything. And so how do you get these people to make music together? Yeah. And so um, the way I approach that is to uh, is to make, create our own music together. So I run these kind of almost like composition sessions, workshop sessions with different people. But so to watch Neil do it is amazing because you're conjuring music out of nothing, aren't you? Yeah, well, what I do is just say yes to people. I think that's what it is. And sometimes I, I nick stuff. Yeah. So if there's like a, if there's a reason to do it, then that's great. So, um, you know, in the past, if if there's, um, you know, if it's in a school, for instance, they might have a theme they're working with, you know, maybe they're doing, you know, Romans or whatever it is you might have, and or a Great Fire of London or something yeah, like that. Yeah. You've got like the a reason. To, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you've got a reason to start and you've got a, a you've got an emotive, dramatic starting point to say, and, 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 you know, talking about film music, that's one of the great ways in, you know, yeah. if there was a film about the Great Fire of London and you're in a baker's shop and you've left the shop and then the fire's still on and then the fire starts oh, going and it's exactly. going to, you know, what's the music to that yeah, going to sound like? Yeah, and, a- and everyone has an opinion. Yeah. And most of our opinions are about, well, it's going to be terrifying. It's going to be scary. It's going to build. It's going to start quiet. It's going to get louder, you know. Um, so... You know, those kind of things are really powerful to kind of unlock people's imaginations. And and then and then really it's just about saying yes to people's ideas and helping. And, and a lot of it is 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 saying it back to them in such a way which makes musical sense. So if somebody, you know, if I say, right, you know, you've got a kid who's got a xylophone yep. or a kid who's on the flute or whatever. You were talking about Great Fire of London. Okay. Well, that music is going to start low. What's it going to sound like? And the kid's going to go, oh, maybe like this. I'm like, okay, great. So I'll get my viola out and I'll go, oh, so it sounds like this or whatever. And, and you know, once you reinterpret stuff played by somebody who really knows what they're doing, suddenly, you know, people's imaginations go, oh, oh yeah. it does, you know, rather yeah. than me being like me on my triangle sounding, I'm not sure how this is supposed to sound, but if a professional engages with you on your idea... It can be really powerful. Yeah, that's amazing. That's so, a cool job. So you've come and done some training for the music service, which was loads of fun. I did, uh, yeah, and also um, St Mary Stadium is is, is um, yeah. in my memories of Neil is quite a big one. Yeah, that was pretty mad. That was pretty mad. That was with um, you going to the Luke, Carl? I'm going, I'm going for a wee wee. You were, you were gesturing at your, at your groin. <laughs> just... Stop there. <laughs> do you know, do you... I need a piss. <laughs> Let's have a little break. Have a break. <laughs> How long have you been holding it in for? About like half an hour. I thought you were in pain. I just don't know where it's going from. Okay, hold on, I'll pull through. So, are you alright, Carl? Because... We took a break there because you were madly pointing at yourself. I don't know what happened there. I think I've pulled my bladder though. So you really, you, so that that gesturing was I need a wee. I was yeah. busting all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, <laughs> out of nowhere. Um, it, it happens as you get older, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's Just exactly like your yeah. bladder control. Yeah. yeah. First, your beard goes grey, and then your bladder <laughs> pulls, shrinks. But you hurt yourself in the process. I don't know. It was the slowest wee I've ever had. 
<laughs> like a blockage. Oh, no. <laughs> <Do> not, <laughs> yeah. It could just, be. Hey? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, anyway, moving anyway. on. Uh, we were talking about St. Mary's Stadium. We were, which you were involved in. Yeah. I mean, that was pretty mad when I think about it. So, what, so how would you sum up your role in that? That was quite a big event, wasn't it? It was quite a big event. Um, I guess, I mean, I was conductor, wasn't I? Like, I wouldn't say I was musical director because I didn't really decide how things went. I just kind of showed up and made everyone do it together. Yeah, which was, I mean, you are underselling the role a little bit. The, perhaps, <laughs> perhaps I was. Perhaps I am. So basically, this was a project that Southampton Music Hub did with um, a string trio called Chord Electra. Right. Um, Emma, Patricia and Debbie. Mm-hmm. Um, violin, viola and cello. And they're an electric string trio okay they play um like dance covers with live strings and you they're know, really they're great cool. they're really good what are we talking like sandstorm and <laughs> no we're talking <laughs> like um uh like children by robert miles okay and, cool yeah, you know, yeah okay yeah, kind yeah. of classic dance tunes yeah, yeah. or right here right now or whatever yeah, with faithless back, yeah, faith, that yeah with, with backing tracks and stuff Very and cool. you know um it's good and um they hatched this plan to do a a big project with Southern Music Hub, so with them, and then loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads and loads of kids, and so they needed a, a venue, whole a whole big end of the ground, like a whole end of the ground. I think there were two thousand. I yeah. think, um, and loads of them brought instruments and um, called Electra over there. They had their stuff plugged in. Um, uh, Ch- uh, Chell, who was. Um, He's a Southampton boy, but he was on one of the first series of The Voice. He was like the guest vocalist because they're friends with him. Um, Groove Merchant, your mm-hmm. band played a few things. Southampton. We played as people came in. That's right. Yep. And then Southampton Youth Orchestra played as well. And uh, what did we do? We did like um, Run Boy Run by uh, Woodkid. Cheerleader. Cheerleader. Yeah. Um, and then oh, Bill's. Yeah. I got bills. Oh, I got, got, yeah, okay, yeah. I know. So yeah. they did these, basically, these big dance tracks. Yeah. And then there were loads and loads of kids' parts. And the kids needed to know when to come in, essentially. Yeah, exactly. And so I was asked to f- f- fulfill the role, <laughs> the kind of co- concert master, kind of ringleader, circus, yeah. you know, ringleader kind of guy to try and get everyone kind of going. And I've, to be honest, that's the second, I, I back... Back when I started doing this kind of stuff, I was lucky enough to be involved in another project, conducting a load of string players at um, in Birmingham Stadium. So actually, that was the second time I've conducted a load of kids in a stadium, yeah, which is just mad. And the because none of the none of the I mean, it was it was absolutely amazing. Just the just just the the audacity of the idea. Yeah. Just the concept of it. What are we going to do? Let's Samari Stadium. Let's get two thousand kids and we'll make some music together. Just bonkers. Mm. And, you know, it was joyous and fun. And from the kids' point of view, they played in St. Mary's Stadium. Yeah. And there was a big blasting soundtrack that was playing. And so they were playing along to that. And there was a few people like me running around and, you know, waving their arms. And uh, Tom Gregory was involved, wasn't Mm -hmm. he? He was one Mm -hmm. of the the drummers that Mm -hmm. was um, kind of helping people kind of stay together. Yeah, all the the music service staff had a little block of, of, of children to look after. And so we were, yeah. Yeah, following how, your lead, but there's a whole other load of conductors. How, <laughs> Probably didn't uh, need me, but yeah. How stern did you? Have, I mean, so main be, actually, to be honest, that was probably my the most important part of my role was um in moving the rehearsal forward. Okay. Like so, 
one of the things I guess I'm I'm really good at is being a, fo- a musical force. So I'm good at, at moving stuff forward and bringing people along with me. So um, we had like an hour and a half or something, an hour to get these things together. Okay. And, you know, when you've got 2,000 kids who can't hear each other yeah, exactly. and, and, you know, you can't hear really hear yeah. them, you've just got to keep going. Yeah. There's, I mean, you can rehearse and you can make sure, but mainly you're just rehearsing so they can see and have the experience more than once basically and be you know being really positive about it and um yeah i was absolutely exhausted (laughs) by the end of the day yeah i mean it'd be like when if you don't you know you do a big gig and you lose yourself in it and you're jumping around for an hour and then what will happen there and then you know then you're absolutely exhausted because you're just larger than life we were talking about that just before the podcast with um, Kelly, mm-hmm. saying how, how, you know, I think musicians in general do suffer a down, oh, yeah, downturn, yeah, sure. you know, yeah. the, the, the dopamine's dropped, mm-hmm. the adrenaline's dropped, you know what I mean? And then bang, you know what I mean? It's the highlights of on stage and then the down, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? And, and it's mm-hmm. exhausting. I, yeah, I, it is. I and, do and, remember suffering. And actually that's one of the, as you got older, as I've got older anyway, the opportunities for like capitalising on those like feelings by basically going out and socializing you know those those opportunities have lessened because you've got you've got like a home to go to you've got a family to get back to you've got whatever i think i had a very young son at the time and i hadn't had a second kid i don't think but you know whereas prior to that you do a big gig and then okay well first of all we're all going to have a beer yeah it's like you know mm. whereas you know now and then you know, you don't, you can't capitalize on those. So you do get that. At least, you know, if you get to socialize after a gig or whatever, then you can, you can gradually come down a bit, That's can't it. you? Has, yeah, yeah. You can like, you can like, you know, you, they can kind of filter out and you can celebrate and you can keep the high a little bit. That's it. I mean, that happens, it has happened, that must have happened to you as well. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you do a big gig or something or whatever and then you're, the kind of floor drops out from underneath you. In so, some so one minute you're playing to, I don't know, 2,000 people. You finish the gig and you go and sit backstage and it's you in a room on your own. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then the contrast is, is huge. Yeah. Huge, yeah. I mean, this, this is why you hear stories about rock musicians like yeah. to alcohol and drugs and yeah. stuff because they, because it because if you live that every night, yeah, like just the chemicals that happen in your brain must yeah. be must be yeah. insane. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's, and and it's an addiction in itself. Because sometimes the, yeah. like the rock stars get off stage and straight in the van and then off and off, yeah, to beat the traffic of their own crowd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's mental, isn't it? Because yeah. if you're playing like Wembley Stadium, there's eighty thousand people or something, and suddenly it's just you and a taxi. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. This is it. Anyway, that's a dark. That's, that's a dark. A dark that's a yeah. dark conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true though. But, um, but no, is, yeah, yeah, no, we did touch on that beforehand. You know what I mean? And it's uh, but then, but then you do have the thrill of looking forward to the next thing yeah and that you know that's that's how you've got to you've got to keep that positivity I mean, and and uh, i think it's just part of life yeah. you know and you know life is full of ups and downs yeah exactly and maybe that's something like as as our as our culture we i mean we could we could get better at is is looking after people's downs rather than just focusing on the ups, ups you know exactly you know, because exactly. if you are, you know, the, the kind of thing, you've just done a big gig, you're feeling great. Oh, you know, and but then you're in a foul mood the next day. Why are you in a foul mood? You did this great gig yeah. last night. It was brilliant. I saw you and, but you're just not, you're just feeling yeah. a bit Cause, crummy because you're just down. Yeah, because I'm not doing another one tonight. Yeah. Mm. Well, just the energy is just yeah. gone. You know, exactly, you've yeah. used so much energy. You've, um, you can't, you can't have those 
peaks without the troughs. No, absolutely. Yeah. It would be a very unbalanced lifestyle if you did, yeah. you know what I mean? It was, it'd, be, it'd be, I don't know where, if you were to even keel on a flat line throughout your life, I don't know how exciting your life would be. But it possibly could be quite pleasant. I don't know. Ignorance is bliss and all that. But but, it, but would you like? Would you if if you could say you you'll never have one of those lows again, but also you'll never have one yeah. of the highs. You would never take it, would no, you? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like the joy of having a kid. Yeah. Like with all of the sleepless nights and whatever, <laughs> you would not in a not not, oh, not even contemplate it for a heartbeat. You know, it's just million years. Would you go back? You know, those those are they they will give it context, don't they? Like yeah. the downs give oh, yeah. the ups context. Yeah. Exactly that. Uh, yeah. Um, I needed, to, I wanted to, I'm curious about whether, if there is any other instruments you play. I mean, so, I, I mean, my. my over, the, over your years, you must have come across, you know what I mean? Like you said, you've got a love yeah. for rock music. Have you picked up guitar and done a bit of. <laughs> well, <laughs> that was I a Metallica do, song, I think. That, I think that was. It sounded a bit like a Metallica song. If you could just play some weirdly accented drums alongside it, then you're there. Um, so, I mean, I trained classically. That's what I did. Yeah. Um, but through school, I, you know, I I can get by on the guitar if it's just simple chords. If it's anything more than bar chords, then okay. no, forget it. Um, I used to play in a band, drums in a band when I was in. in did you play at my birthday party? I did play your birthday yeah. party. Well, I had a birthday party. Yeah, certainly did. Yeah, Hancock. Hancock. That's yeah, correct. That's, that's, yeah, there's a band called Hancock. There was a ha- band called <laughs> our, our mutual friend Tim. Uh, his surname is Hancock. And, Tim uh, from Six Feet of Fish. No, 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 no. That's Tim Slater. Oh, Slater. That's all I know. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Carry on. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, I did play your twenty first. Yeah. That was good. So then, is that, really good. hang on. Your first, what was your first band's name? Oh gosh, you really don't want to know. Come on. <sighs> I'm going to ask everyone. Okay. Uh, abject vision. Abject oh, vision. Which band was that? That was. Um, I recognise that. Like name. seven. Like when I was yeah, uh, sixth form college. Um, that was with Tim on bass. I played drums, and Rich Saunders was on guitar. Yeah. Um, Who was singing? Uh, Rich did, and Rich and Tim shared the singing. What? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that takes yeah. me back. Yeah, Mr. Was, Mr. Uh, a. Yeah. What was your first band name? Was uh, it was Ca- Caldera. Caldera. Yeah. Sounds heavy. What about uh, yours? We did we did Foo Fighters covers and stuff. Ah, like okay. <laughs> mine was um, mine was Black Belt Jones. Black Belt Jones. We, we were we were almost called Problem Head Tortoise. Okay, but it was, which is like a tortoise whose head is too big to go back in his yeah. shell. <laughs> so, but we we decided to go with a uh, Black Belt Jones, which was a film with Jim Kelly in it. He used to star. Who's who's in Enter the Dragon with Bruce Lee? Jim Kelly's a cool Afro guy. He's amazing. He had his own film called Black Belt Jones and it was just used to crack us up watching it. <laughs> so we called the band after that. Nice. But, that's um, good. Yeah, carry on with uh, Hancock. So, oh, yeah, so other instruments. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I play the violin as well, but um, my main other instrument actually is electric viola. That's the kind of thing okay. I do a lot of. So, um, well, not, not in the last few years, but um, yeah, I got I got into processing my sound basically um i've spent so many years trying to make the acoustic sound as good as it it, it did so i never really got into fully electric playing you know see some of these guys with violins which are literally just a carbon fiber shell yeah um uh and i haven't quite gone that far but i you know you know but if someone wants to pay me a load of money then i will happily buy one um <laughs> but yeah i bought a a chi- from from china actually on ebay yeah. A five string viola, which is basically a viola and a violin share three strings. 
and then a viola has a lower string and a violin has a higher one. Oh, okay. So it's basically a violin-viola combination. And then I took it to a guy in Poole called Sonic Violins, and um, he built in a pickup into it, yeah. into the bridge. Um, so then I didn't have, because I used to have various other feedback things where you got the you got the bridge on on the violin you could like stick something onto that or you could have a contact mic or you can have this wrap that goes around it and you always get feedback and same with the gets. upright bass yeah sure it's sure. a nightmare mic in those things you know, yeah. yeah obviously yeah and so the, the best ones was they, they you kind of have um mics that you stick under the bridge don't you on the upright that's bass it, or whatever it, yeah. and then you get the contact and the vibrations but he, he this guy he builds them in and it's his it's his business and um yeah brilliant and so um, I started to get into, uh, yeah, processing my sound and the joy of guitar pedals. Yeah, oh my well, I was gosh. Just, <laughs> that was my next question. <laughs> my so oh, man. we talked about Stu Brewer earlier. Yeah, and um, do you remember when he chopped his hand up? Yeah. He what? He ch- yeah, yeah, because it's before a gig I did with him. So a few years ago, he Stanley oh, knife. Oh, Ill. don't say. So I remember don't. the photos. He's, uh, it's awful. Yeah. And um, well, for the he, listeners at home, yeah, <laughs> there was some yeah. gesture. If you're listening, I'm you know still waiting little, for the tattoo. You know your little gonna, flap, the flap the between flap your between first your fingers finger and, and your thumb. thumb. Stanley knife down oh. there. And he was Stanley knifing um, the uh, like Velcro off of a guitar pedal. Yep. Was that a loop pedal? No, it was a a reverb pedal, a Hall of Fame two reverb pedal, okay. which he was selling to me because <laughs> I got in touch with him and said, "What reverb? I really want to get a good reverb pedal." Yeah. And he said, "Well, how much money have you got?" Uh, not too much. Well, have you got five hundred quid? <laughs> like, yeah, no chance. Because <laughs> I can't remember what it was the one he suggested. I mean, it was like dry. Oh yeah, it was like super. It was like four hundred fifty <laughs> quid or something, and you know, gorgeous. And I'd love to have done it, but. My gosh, this, you know, I, I've, I've, this, I mean, I, I lo- love you, Stu, but I'm, I'm glad you sold me that pedal, even if it did nearly <laughs> yeah, destroy your career. Years, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but cause on a string, like on a, on a string instrument, you spend so much time, like all of the overtones and all of the undertones and everything that you get from the natural kind of acoustic sound, when you bung like a shimmer reverb on top of it um, and turn that up, you just can get these kind of clouds of yeah. sheen. Yeah. And it's just glorious. Yeah. You know, just wonderful. And you've, you know, you spent 20 years working your ass off to get the best, purest tone. And actually all you need to do is just plug in a reverb. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then go toying and then press the button and it yeah. goes, and you're like, ah, <laughs> glorious. Oh, you're, so, you're, you're talking to a... An, a effects obsessionists really? but not so much nowadays but back in the day i really really was i was okay. constantly on the search yeah well the tone chaser i suppose yeah. they, you call it doesn't it and um, another guy we've had online on here is um davy jones um he's you know i can talk me and him talk about effects pedals oh my god <laughs> really it's embarrassing <laughs> but I, I'm, see i found this one and then honestly that was kind of like oh almost like search over oh because there's um this thing is just is just you know yeah so so i have this little setup which i kind of and what i haven't done yet is spend the time to know where that goes into so i've always been like i've always been relying on whatever system is already there and so i've started to get to the stage now where actually it's really hit and miss okay so like you experimentation experimentation yeah so so the next thing i need to do is is to is to find a, a good, relatively portable, basically an amp, really, that's going to yeah. do what I want it to do reliably. Um, 
yeah so but it's good and so i have that and then i have a a, a boss uh three three channel loop station the uh what was it the rct 200 is that what it's called i can't yeah, remember what it is yeah. you know the, just the classic old one yeah stamp. and so and i actually rather than doing it in the kind of ed sheeran style which is you know the saying up this riff and that riff and then the percussion thing i prefer to do them prefer to do it with with the tracks that aren't that aren't tempo and and loop synced okay so you can do so i can then do more ambient i like to make ambient music really where i can make you know like waves. sound like yeah soundscapes. like sound worlds and soundscapes yeah. and waves of sound and in the pandemic i did quite a lot of um like live facebooks um uh and and other things with you know taking i'd rip a video off of youtube of like a a river and then i'd like do 20 minutes of, yeah, of cool. sound world creating that's cool along to the video sort of reacting quite, to your visuals yeah. reacting to the visuals what to the visuals yeah, or really. like a candle or something yeah. like that okay. so you know that kind of stuff i really you know kind of slightly the more in in a more kind of spiritual kind of thing i guess in a way um and i think like coming back to the music we're talking about like some of the um like est is a good example you know of music which is kind of I still kind of see that kind of music as quite spiritual in some yeah, kind of way. Uh, yeah. It's kind of emotionally kind of quite connected. It's emotive. It's very... not, it's like in, it's, it's all contained there and it kind of, you know, it doesn't, it's not big and flamboyant. It's, no. you know, you know, so yeah. It can be euphoric without being enormous. Yeah. Uh, sort of thing. And this is it. Yeah, that's true. Oh, can, can, can we hear some of this stuff? Yeah, sure, sure. It, so, that... so I've got the document you sent over earlier. Yeah. So let's go let's with choose something. What would you like to play? Um uh let's go with Ogwen at the bottom. Oh there we go. So this is a good example of your so talk talk us about the track before. So this before we hear it. This Oh, sorry. I'm so this off. um this album Reflections. So it's with a friend of mine I was at uni with, Paul Smith, who is the he's the CEO of the Voches Eight Foundation. And Voches Eight are a one of the best acapella choirs ah, okay. eight-piece acapella choir if you want someone to sing you know beautiful close classical harmony they're the guys you go to yeah, um they like where might have you heard them um i don't know if you'd like jacob collier i know i know yeah i know so his um has he, he's used them has he or yeah yeah so his first um is it what's the uh, what's his um multi-album of the same name jesse jesse yeah jesse volume one they are the harmony. They're the choir on the first okay. track. Um, they've done relative. They've done quite a few recordings, like film sessions and stuff. Anyway, so I've known him since university days, and we've done a load of work together. Anyway, and um, they have a summer school at which I lead the children's course on. And so Paul and I have done loads of stuff on that. He's a very good. He does a similar work to what I do in terms of working with kids, but with the voice rather than with instruments. Okay, like very much an instrument, and so. Um, and so we had this idea to do uh, an album together um, and he writes similar, he writes kind of, yeah, it was like, a, it was called Reflection. So the idea was to create a reflective sound world, I guess. Um, and this track is called Oh Gwen. Um, it was inspired by my mum, my late mum. So she was killed a few years ago, uh, eight years ago nearly. And in the summer school, actually, we were in, um, together we were talking about it and we were going to we were going to write 
the rest of that year and then record the following summer. And I, there were a few tracks that I'd written already. Um, and then I was just sat at a piano and this kind of... Um, so the, you'll hear the words, but there's very few lyrics in it. The lyrics are Oh Gwen and My First Love, the, okay. the two kind of short lyrics. And so the, the Oh Gwen became a Oh Gwen, which then became this rhythm, this kind of pulsing kind of heartbeat rhythm, which I really liked. There's I really liked the the idea that um, at the start, you're not quite sure what key it's in, and then until the bass comes in, yeah, and you're like, okay, room. now I know what room, now yeah. I know what key we're in, um, and then this kind of ostinato pattern over the top, and then basically I took the harmony for a walk and see, you know, basically it's just these these ostinatos that go around, and then the harmony changes based on the um, on the bass line, basically where the bass harmony is, and then a few extra melodies in the middle but yeah that's where it is cool it's good i like it i really want to hear it now yeah hold on. you ready yeah let's do it here we go
bad. I'm going to swear. Go, on, Go for it. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you did it. You broke the zeal. <laughs> but no, but... Um, I'm super chuffed with that listening back to um, it. That's, a, that's, yeah. an, that's quite incredible. Yeah. Um, at the risk of very getting a bit emotional, the, the content and what it's about, how is that? How is that for you listening back to that now, knowing what, you know, how the feelings involved I mean, with, with your mum and stuff and... To be honest, it's quite poignant. Yeah. Actually, the anniversary of her death is coming up quite soon. Ah. So it's kind of in in my mind anyway. So I think that's probably subconsciously why I selected that one, probably. But, I mean, you know, I'm super proud of yeah. it. You and uh Yeah. I mean, it was like, it, it was it was conceived as like an ode. To, and I, I can remember sitting at this piano in this, in this room and... Almost like, you know, when, when I was kind of composing the initial... Because it, it wasn't a case of, I'll sit down and I'll write this music and then it was finished. Mm. It was very much a case of I had this idea and then I knew I'd have to take it, I'd have to like chisel away at it and take it for a walk somewhere. But once I was coming up with the idea and this thing, it's like, oh man, this is this is quite hardcore. This yeah. is quite, quite close and... Um, yeah, but and so there was a time when I wasn't sure, you know, shall I shall I put this one forward or shall I keep this one to myself? And you know, I'm so pleased listening back to it. Because um yeah, when I presented it to Paul and and them I was like, okay, well there's this thing and it's basically this one thing that goes on for five minutes and then there's other bits around it. And then that that vocal line, the the kind of the high soprano yeah. kind of vocal line. That's you know not going to be easy to record, and um, yeah, they were they were brilliant about it. And so you know, Aidan, you're asking me about the recording process, like how yeah, do you put something like that together? I would too. absolutely love to try and do a live version of that. Amazing, because the when when we did the launch gig for it, they were th- you know how are we going to do this? Because the idea was to do the album in its entirety in order for the launch. Yeah, okay. How are we going to do that? And so I, I, I said, look, I, I can do a solo version of this because it was kind of conceived really as a as a kind of loop station based piece. So I did a, a loop. And this is the piece I was telling you that busted up in France. Um, so I re- reorganized it for solo strings, loop station and and synths, basically padding out the harmony. But I'd love to try and have a oh, no. try and do a, like a oh, full wow. choir string section yeah. well, version. You of let it. us know what happens. Won't you? Yeah, yeah, I will yeah. do. Yeah. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. So, yeah. what what was it like sending it off to the choir and then waiting for the recording to come back? That must have been. So, it was kind of interesting. Like, I didn't really like. So, Paul and I are very very good long term friends. So, it wasn't going to be. I wasn't going to be left in the dark about about it. No. We when we did the main recording session, which was um we did two days in there. They've got this beautiful church in East in, in Cheapside in central London, which they which is now called the Botchers Eight Centre, and they do loads of recording there. They've been so savvy. I mean, if you if you follow Votchers Eight on any social medias, you'll see photos of it all all this week. They've been recording with um a guy called Eric Whittaker. Oh wow. Yeah, okay, one of yeah. the big no, yeah. kind of choral composers of the, okay. in the you know, and 
and they yeah they do it all in house yeah like their mic setup like Aiden you were saying how like it felt very present the recording like yeah. like the way they use room and the room sound and room mics natural, and close mic things and stuff verbs, natural, and all, yeah it's it's, it's absolutely a, brilliant it's a science in itself also. it is and they've absolutely nailed it so there was no control freaks or you're not you're, I don't no, you don't I mean, strike me as a control freak sort no, of no 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 I didn't you were happy I, to go I knew that. If I was going to get any kind of respectable version of this, I needed to do my bit, yep. which was create the score, do our recording, and then trust that the yeah. rest was going to come back. Yeah. So we had like, we did a recording session, I think, and then I had sort of 20 minutes or something when I talked the choir through. Because there are some bits in it where um, there's this tenor line which goes, um, first, 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 like that. And it's designed so that the first, first, so that there's like a percussion built into it's the work. like a hi-hat closing. Yeah, exactly, exactly yeah. that. And um, so, you know, I made sure they knew about that and, um, you know, various other bits. And then then the, the big string tune in there was actually supposed to be a second choir because there were some other younger singers who were going to be involved. Like, when I say younger, I mean like... Um, they were in music college, so they were still really good singers. Um, but they didn't get around to doing it. And so I was in a conversation with Paul and, and he says, So we've done we've done the the bigger structure, we've done the the tenors and the basses who are doing the the kind of the the harmony underneath, and we've done the recording of this this riff and it sounds really good, but we haven't had time to do these choir things. But Paul said to me, I think it will sound really good on strings. Yeah. So can you just record those at home? I was like, Okay, um, uh, where shall I do it? So I actually recorded those string tunes in my daughter's bedroom. There you go. Um, on an SM58. Um, <laughs> in You know, from home. Yeah. And then I sent it off to them and they made it sound amazing. That's it. So, <laughs> so who, who produced it? Who, who did all the... Um, so uh, Paul, Paul produced it, okay. but him and his brother Barney, who is the artistic director of watches a and the kind of main he's the you know you talk about the science of it yeah he's the guy who's he's nailed the science of recording mm-hmm. it. and he's a pro tools wizard and yeah. you know just the, the mic placement and all this kind of stuff he's an absolute yeah it's incredible um yeah and there's um one of the tenors in watch a guy called blake you know when we when he when i saw him after the being the, the kind of the release of it you know, had a little kind of words like that sounds, you know, he, you know, he's got really, you know, he's one of those people that you really respect someone's opinion. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, you know, so, you know, you should be really pleased with that, you know, absolutely delighted. Yeah, that's, that's, but that's, that first listen must have been like an emotional experience. Oh, that's, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, to say the least. Yeah. <laughs> and to listen to, I mean, it's a nice system in here as well. <laughs> um, actually, one of the nicest places to listen to it, um, to do things, listen to things like that. And at, in, at Winchester, we've got a lovely chapel. Okay. And there's a big organ, electronic. It's an it's an organ, but it's a it's an electric organ. So it's you know, but the the speaker system is amazing. And I've listened to that in Through in the there. chapel, wow. just like turned oh, it yeah. right up. Uh, yeah, waves of sound. So wow. yeah, <laughs> mine's not quite as uh, elaborate as that, but okay. I do I do like blasting things in my van. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've got a nice sub in there. And we have a say, that's a real van blaster. Yeah. Yeah. Whenever, whenever Aiden sends me a song of an evening, I would say to him, I'm not going to listen to it through my phone. I'm going to blast it in the van in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the sound yeah. system is probably worth more than the van. Okay, <laughs> nice. 
but yeah. um yeah no so yeah that's uh that's but that i will definitely be and there's a there's a whole i used there's, there's a, a whole yeah album there is of, a whole album of of more of, of the same of that, um, of that elk or i will put a link in the can description we link that? yeah i'll do it yeah, yeah. absolutely and if for some reason we can't have the f- entirety of that song which i think there's no other way to listen to it than mm. start to finish to be honest if we can't i do implore people to go to spotify yeah and the album's called reflections by paul paul smith and that song is called oh gwen and there are there are uh two tracks on the album that i wrote so there's that one and then let your mind be still my love which i wrote as well um all the strings on it are me and um there's a few tracks which i did kind of drum production for so there are a few of those on there as well which was which was loads of fun and some of my um, in there's a in the title track reflections there's a big viola solo in it and um actually that those kind of two minutes are some of my like most proud musically moments because it just you know we were talking about the snarky puppy solo from the, I'm not going to compare myself to snarky puppy no, but, other, but when but... I listen back to it like of all the other times because we we did we we would take this almost like a show to various places and we would always be with a uh, the angle was with um community groups okay so we'd go and do various there would be four or five tracks that that have a community choir involvement um which is a really nice angle so the the choir get to be performance performers and um and audience and of all the times i've played it with these guys the i always try and kind of emulate the you know there's some i can imagine there are some solos as a musician where you think, oh, the one on the album isn't particularly great, and I've I've worked it out, so it's way better now. Yeah. But I'm really, really pleased with that. Yeah, one. that's amazing. So, yeah. that. so, what about in the future? Have you got anything planned? Is there anything, anything no. in the pipeline? Not that's so much. No. What's next? What's, What's next? next? <laughs> no. So, yeah, I don't. So, I, I've got quite a lot of other things going on at the moment. I'm actually doing a masters at the moment. Ooh. Which started a few weeks ago. Music related or? Kind of, but. I'm try- still try- trying to work it out. <laughs> so um, uh, I, I kind of feel like I'm in a, I feel like I'm in a bit of a crossroads where, of where I am. Mm. You know, I need to, I need to, I need to go, I need to have, expand my vision slightly. So I did that. That was great. Um, my kind of freelance work as, as a kind of music workshop leader is kind of happening a bit again. I was like, I need something else to, and um, and so the idea of doing a masters came up. And at Middlesex University, they do they have a a course, a sort of a specialist unit in something they call, you ready for this? It's called transdisciplinary practice, right? <laughs> transdisciplinary practice, which right? is also a Star Trek episode, right? Which is also a Star Trek <laughs> episode. Yeah. Is that not yeah. the name of one of their spaceships? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it's where Dr. Crusher works. <laughs> um, so the guy who runs a guy called Brian Sutton, he is honestly one of the best kind of listeners I've met. Okay. I've only met him virtually. But he's one of those guys, his specialism, like as a as like a business consultant and things, is people will uh, will will like say something and then he'll ask them exactly the right question and then wait for them to give an answer and keep waiting and keep prodding until they, yeah. you know, until, so he's, so this course I think has been built around him and, and other people in a similar field is basically, um, 
it's it's basically a it's a it's a master's almost in like in like self reflection almost. Okay. No, that's cool. You know, kind of looking at what you are, where you are, where you've got to, where you are, being curious about your own approach to things. Brutal honesty. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Kind of, yeah, yeah, kind of. And so I'm I'm only like four weeks in, hmm? but you know we've been learning about the science of you know and the kind of readings and stuff around curiosity and around like they call it in in they call it refre- reflective practice okay which is when you you know you do something and then you think about it afterwards yeah and try and reflect on it and try and see what you can learn so i'm actually really enjoying it i yeah. think it's going to be good for me and and there was i when i say i'm still trying to work it out is because <laughs> i knew i wanted to do it but other people on the course they seem to have a problem that they want to solve, you know, okay. a business thing or an idea. I want to go into this thing and I want to think it through a bit better. Da, 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 da. And I don't really have an agenda. No. So I've kind of started doing this thing without having a, yeah, a particular aim or a particular goal. But I don't know. That's, <laughs> that's kind of cool though. Because you can, you can almost, well, you can go through the course and, and see what you can assimilate it with. You know yeah. what I mean? Something might present itself through and, over and, the next few years. And, and uh, that's the way the world works, yeah, isn't it? Like, yeah, yeah. you know, th- opportunities come up, things happen, things change. Paths. Things, paths, chapters, chapters all, that. all that kind of yeah. stuff. So, yeah, I like, um, when I moved out of London a couple of years in, then I, then I, when I had my second child, then I feel like then a chapter started and i don't know what you you think but i read somewhere ages ago that like life happens in like five year or six year cycles yeah and i feel like when my daughter was born i feel like that was the beginning of one chapter and that's kind of i've got to the stage now she's nearly seven where that feels like it's to be honest it probably closed a couple of years ago and if the pandemic hadn't happened it probably would have done but like i feel like there's another chapter like in my life yeah. in some way. I don't know what really whether I mean musically or kind of work-wise or family-wise or whatever. But so in terms of music making, I um, I don't really know, to be honest. No. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of up in the air. I don't you, really you, don't, have... you don't see it taking a back door. You don't see it stopping. No, not no, at all. Not no, not at all. all. No, I mean, I really, so at, at the moment for the last, well, really since the, through the pandemic, really, the majority of my music making has been with the students that I work with. So like I run a folk band, which is loads of fun. And I help, you know, in, in help run one of the, the kind of the kind of small orchestra that we have. And, and those kind of small things um, give me loads of, I, I get loads out of working with other people. That's good. So it's not, I'm not like, if I don't have my own thing, I'm going to go crazy because for years and years and years and years, most of my musical satisfaction and like enjoyment and you know those those dopamine things we're talking about yeah. and those hits and those feelings of like I'm making an impact on the world and you know people notice me and whatever all of those stuffs I got from the the school projects that I did. That's good. That's really cool. Um, so I I stopped chasing the kind of professional accolades and things quite quite and the the kind of the professional world I stopped chasing it as a performer uh, quite early on. And so yeah. I'm not, not too, you know, I know I will get the musical satisfaction that I need yeah, um, just through the work I'm doing at the moment. That's brilliant. That's yeah. a different, 
That's like, um, you know, diff we were talking about the different parameters of success based on, you know, everyone's got a different parameter of what it is. And yeah. So that's essentially what you're talking about. Really, yeah, it is. It? Yeah. And like I could t tell to our students all the time, like you had Dirk, you know, Dirk from Incubus, like, you know, you could argue one of the you know most successful bass players on the planet, yeah. you know, and there's that end of it. And then what? You know, there's what I don't know, a hundred people in the world that get, I don't know, or a thousand people in the world out of how yeah. many that get to that that level. Exactly. And then there's the out rest of, of us. Out of the billions and billions. billions, and billions <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> and you know, for me, you know, I I say to students all the time that you know, you've, if you want to be a musician, and you want to make it, then yes, you've got to have your dreams. And you've got to chase your dreams. Of course, you do. But you also have got to see that there are so many other ways oh, of making man. music part of your life. Yeah. And education is one of them, you know, cover gigs, all these other things, you know, you know, arranging whatever it is, teaching, working in, you know, teaching an instrument yeah. or running a school band or, you know, working, you know, uh, with a community choir or, you know, helping other people. You know, there's huge amounts of satisfaction yeah. that you can get. And it's what like it, it is the, it is that but like um like the self oh, what am I trying to say when you when you you you, you know you do things for yourself but also like recently I've been watching my daughter literally slap the bass with her hand and the joy I get from that you know what I mean it's is, madness, is isn't it? madness. Yeah. it's it's puts yeah. it can put everything yeah. in perspective you know yeah. what I mean and it's like coming from a bloke who thought I'd never go down that direction you know what I mean it's incredible it's nuts <laughs> and it's yeah. But not taking it away from anyone else that is still doing what they're doing, you know what I mean? And, yeah. But it's just like, yeah, it's, well, it is amazing. Well, from my so world, from, from coming from the classical music world, I very much felt like when I was going through, I went to university and then I went to music college and did a part-time kind of diploma, basically, on classical viola performance. And I very much felt like if I wasn't playing in a professional orchestra, then I was failing, hmm. basically. And like, you know, was that set, was that put on by yourself or by that's, that's, that's the general, that's the culture. Okay. You know, just, I mean, and it's the same with band, band members. Yeah. Like if you're not, I mean, I think the recording contract isn't the same now, but you know, 10 years ago, if you haven't got a recording, if you haven't got a recording deal, oh, yeah. then you, then you're, then you're failing basically. You? Yeah, exactly. So who yeah, are you? Okay. And like now I'm guessing it's Spotify numbers and whatever, isn't it? Mm. If you've got, if you Instagram haven't got likes. Instagram likes, if you're not getting a thousand likes per post or whatever, then you're failing. Um, and that's absolute rubbish. Yeah. You know, the, the idea that, you know, for me that I found classical high level playing really stressful and really difficult. And there are people who are just machines. They just have got the technique absolutely nailed. Yeah. And every day they spend a couple of hours oiling the machine of their fingers and their ears and whatever. And they are so good. And you can sit down, some of the hardest music ever written, you know, stuff that's all over the place, and they will just absolutely nail it. And, and I found that incredibly stressful. Um, but the other side of it was that you stick me in front of a group of 100 kids or 50 kids, and I felt as comfortable as anything. Yeah. And... You know, and then my the other guys who are the best players I've ever played with lost their shit basically, yeah. you know, and couldn't <laughs> couldn't hack it, you know. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, and the fact that then I could get all that musical satisfaction from a different avenue, and actually, is a lot of satisfaction from what other people are doing because yeah. a lot of that stuff was coming from me as like a facilitator 
and then ultimately I guess a director in performance making sure people know where they are and what's going on and things like that but um yeah it's interesting like yeah you don't there's not just one way of no. doing it that's quite selfless I like that yeah well it was, you know it was I mean? it's like it's like it's it's almost like releasing ego a bit and, and in, enjoying the fact that others are achieving something and you've helped them achieve I mean, it. You and can it's, see it's it nice selfless, feeling. but actually it's selfish because that's what I got out of it. Well, exactly, yeah. Because, yeah. you know, and, and, you know, I've had some, you know, talking about St Mary's gig and whatever, you know, I've had some really great opportunities that other people, you know, the, you know, I conducted, um, talking back to this festival I was involved with in Bristol, that charity, their Music for Youth, they do a thing called the School's Prom where they take, they take over the Albert Hall for three nights. And uh, for two nights, I got to conduct 900 kids in the Royal Albert Hall. And like, if I'd stayed as a performer, you know, I wouldn't have got to conduct 900 people in the Royal Albert Hall. Um, And that's absolutely mad. Um, And, but that's for me, and it's like in an educational context. And my job then wasn't to be the prima donna and to like get, all the accolades, you know, I'm not being the big conductor dude. My job was to um, facilitate these kids' experience, you know, and get them all working together. Um, and as a result of that, I got to conduct at the Royal Albert Hall. It's mad. So it's, it's pretty mad. Yeah. yeah. It's different. It's brilliant. Different yeah. achievements. Different achievements. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, I'm really grateful for it because, uh, yeah. Have you, um, not to take from anything you just said but have you got a stick have i got a stick <laughs> <laughs> i just that is amazing do you know what? i do have a conductor's yeah, baton yeah you have a baton baton yeah <laughs> but I, when i'm working with kids i don't use it no okay no when enough. i work I, I do use it in very specific circumstances in like an orchestral or like a a wind like there are other bands like brass band or wind band kind of those kind of official ensemble setups having a stick as a focus of power yes um, can make a difference because it just helps focus people's minds. Um, and also, like, um, like when you're getting groups of, of teenagers or whatever to play together, you, uh, you like, where the rhythm is yes, is really that's important. What, yeah, that's what I was going to ask. So if you don't, like, the, hold, honestly, the physical action of holding a stick means that you have to be clear. If you don't have a stick, you can be kind of like wavy with okay. your arms. And like there are loads of jokes, like every orchestra or choir member has had a conductor that they've called Captain Flappy at some point because <laughs> they've done this or whatever. Or they've got a joke, honestly, or there's a joke about, oh, we didn't know where they were, so we followed the hem of their dress or like, or their tie or whatever, you know, just because you, and like, where do you play? Yeah. Because if, ha- if you haven't where's got a drummer, the, if you've got no one keeping time, yeah then it's a communal time that you met. And so actually having the baton yeah. is a, like a, a physical thing. It forces you to to be a bit more rhythmical about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Quite interesting. Yeah. It's a whole world. I love watching them. Yeah. Like, amazing, you know, aren't and they? The, and the points to and the, the points, difference. You yeah. know what I mean? And all that sort of stuff. It's amazing. Yeah. It's funny. You, get, you watch concerts and there's people copying them in the audience, which always yeah. makes you laugh. <laughs> um, unbelievably, we, we've been going for an hour, hour and three quarters. Wow. It's because... It's because it's bloody interesting. Yeah, it's just flown by, isn't it? It's flown by. Can, <laughs> I, can I be selfish and ask you something? Okay, go for a it. Selfish question. So I was telling you earlier um, that I'm doing quite a big thing tomorrow, or big for me. Yes. Which I'm quite nervous about because okay. I have to kind of uh, sit on stage in front of lots of people. And, okay. Which is something whenever I watch you do it, you're very you're very confident and you seem very comfortable with it. <laughs> give, okay. me some, give me some advice, Neil. Help, help me get through this. So 
Don't so say is... envision people. Don't say <laughs> shit or bugger. Say... <laughs> yeah. Try not to swear. That's my... Uh, um, I was doing... Actually, I was doing a, 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 visual, a virtual... Sorry, a slight digress. And I, I was doing this virtual concert the other day thing. I was presenting a concert other people were playing. And I nearly swore so many times. <laughs> I don't think it was the podcast I was listening to on the way down. I think it was, um, uh, you know, the uh, what's the food podcast? Um, with uh, oh, I know the one with the two James Acaster and yeah, Ed Gamble off menu. All right, and they were just swearing all the time. <laughs> and I, yeah, so don't okay. swear. All right, so number one, be careful what you listen to on the way there. So, so this is you've got four the four band members. Yeah, and then so so you. You're like, what, what are you worried about it? Is it well, only because it's new, only because it's new. And um, right. I think, is it um, there's an MPL kind of thing which is like to make yourself comfortable with it, you have to try and imagine yourself in that position before you yeah. get to almost smell what it's going to smell like. Yeah, um, yeah, but yeah. I've never been in this building before, I've never done okay. this before, so it's, it's fear of the unknown, really. I think that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, Thrive well, I mean, that. like your experiences <laughs> on this podcast will, will do you in good stead. Mm. I would. If it if it was me, I'd make sure I had a chat with the band first. Okay. And um and just and you know, just introduce yourself to mm-hmm. them and like shake their hand or whatever. And then you've got your questions prepared, haven't yep. you? You got them all prepared. Yep. Yeah. I'll have my bit I of think <laughs> the, the main the main risk is probably one member of the band talking for ages, isn't it? Probably. And I not, think not... so. More more than the type of band it is, I think there will be I don't think I'll have any problems with them being giving interesting intelligent answers because okay. it's the kind of band they are. Okay. Do you think it will come from all of them or just one of them? I don't know. Don't know. I don't know. It depends. It, I'm, because they're quite a big band, they're probably well practiced at this. Okay. I, so, think, like, I think it's going to be fine. Yeah, Dirk, like we can mention Dirk. Uh, there was definitely stuff I wanted to ask him that I was fearful of. Mm. I didn't know whether to mention the alcoholism. You know what I mean? That would might, He might have... He might have been happy to talk about that because he might think it, it helps people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But I did. I didn't have that. I didn't. I just didn't have the. I got. I, had the, I got the fear. Mm. Yeah. But is it not your role as an interviewer? You're not there to put but them in an uncomfortable position, but you are there to mean something you, that maybe possibly others haven't. Or, or maybe. But I, you, I and you're know. the facilitator, aren't you, rather yeah. than the interviewer? So you've got questions. If nobody asks a question, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. You know, if someone asks a question from the audience, then your job is to reinterpret the question so it makes sense mm-hmm. and say it back to them and then try and share the answers out, probably. Yeah, I, I guess um, further further questions, further, yeah. extend the conversation if it needs it. Yeah. And but, then what, I've, but then I've only got them for half an hour. And we, we've been going for one hour, one hour and 47, which is nuts, by, isn't yeah, it? it? So is. it's only a quarter of what we've been doing so far. Yeah. Mm. I find when I'm, like, talking to... Um, the, I don't know if you know the podcaster Tim Ferriss. I don't know if you know the guy, the American guy, Tim Ferriss. He wrote the, the four-hour work week. Anyway, he, he does these really similar to this, you know, okay. long-form interviews. And one thing he does brilliantly, which I've tried to do when I'm ever doing any kind of that kind of stuff, is to um, talk a, and is to have um, a way of extending the question and resending it to them to give the person the time to think. Mm-hmm. So rather than going, tell me when you started the base, you say, tell me when you started the base, because it'd be really interesting for these guys to know when you started the base, because many of them 
play the bass too. How many people are playing the bass over there? See, we've got like 20 mm-hmm. bass players. So what you do is you ask the question and then you give, then you talk over to give them like 10 uh-huh. seconds to, to like think of an answer. Yeah. And you like, so you can like, and that's one of the things he does brilliantly is he like fudges the question and then comes back to it and circles back to it. And he's given them 15, 20 seconds to think of a, uh-huh. of a right answer. That's good. That's quite, that's, that's quite a good trick. Recently, I saw who's the boss's name? MTV uh, Anthony Kiedis go back mm. to the Chili's and Zane Lowe. Oh yeah, did you see that one? No, no, but I, I'm, I know of it. Zane Lowe. Oh my god, he asks massive questions. Right. For <laughs> to to almost to the point where there's not an answer to give. Right. What, what's the meaning of life? Kind yeah, of he's, he's given yeah. he's given all the information that the the. the that Kiedis was going to give, he's already, he's, you he's know, given he's, it. He's right. almost given it already. So, like, <laughs> so then Kiedis asks us okay. with like three words, yes, you're right. Yeah. Or, so, or something like that. Do you know what I mean? It don't was like, do that. So don't, don't, so do don't that. do that. Don't do that. But even though it was a really cool interview and it was nice to see them back together again because they're old buddies and all that and the New Zealand connection and all that sort of stuff. It was, <laughs> right. It's worth a watch. But oh, oh these questions were enormous, full of information <laughs> really? that, that Anthony should have been giving. Okay. But, um, That's yeah, amazing. But, yeah, it's, it's quite funny to watch. But, cool. But yeah, no, you'd be fine. You're good. You, um, that the two celebrities <laughs> mm. I'm doing the inverted con- that we've had on the podcast I think you've just been brilliant you've been really natural oh, well, thank you I very think, much you know what I mean just smash it out it's going to be fine you'll be fine, you'll okay. be fine. well yeah. I'll let you know well, thank, you for, thank you for your advice I, I, shall, <laughs> I, shall, I shall report back and I'll watch that group we've got set yeah. up yeah, yeah, do. <laughs> yeah that's, I mean yeah if it doesn't go well it won't be your fault yeah Okay, that's a good point. It'll be yeah. some idiot in the audience. Yeah, shout out. <laughs> out some Call dumbass Carl. questions. Yeah, it'd be yeah. me. <laughs> Why have you played the drums? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think what he means is, why did you choose the drums? That's, yeah. Really, yeah. that's what you'll have to do. Yeah, or someone pretending. Yeah. That's good. Uh, right, so um, it's come to that time of the evening, I'm afraid, Carl. Well, yeah, let's do it. What time? It's do. I just want to hear that. I want to hear the. Are we playing it's, some it's more music? Time. I want to hear the instrument again. Thank you very much for your time, Neil. Oh, yeah. very, it's been I've such had a really good pleasure time. and a privilege to have you in, He's in, gone the, in the lodge. Super quick. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, really good. Really. I've <laughs> had lots of fun. Um, I don't so feel like you. I found out enough about yourself. <laughs> we'll have to do. We'll have to do a, a second. You're, you're multifaceted and oh, you know what I mean. And so oh, it's been. No, it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. So thank you for having me. Yeah, all right. I'm glad you say that now before before we do our outro. Do, do <laughs> an editing or edit um, all the words together. All right. The wrong so, way, do you want to grab your big violin? I'll grab my big violin. Oi, is that not insulting? <laughs> it's only insulting to the small-minded. <laughs> Are we doing in the key of Jesus again? Okay. Oh, <laughs> or G minors? Or G G minus? Okay. <laughs> Um, okay, have you got some lyrics for it, Carl? I'm gonna I'm gonna type into Google poem about the fruit. About what? Fruit. Fruit. Okay. Yeah, let's see what comes up. Okay. <laughs> Here we go. I've okay, got, you got I've a got poem got. about fruit. If any, if any of our listeners had any, um... <laughs> um, can you? Change the words of any fruit that gets mentioned to like musical instruments. All right. 
<laughs> All right. If any of our listeners ever thought that we rehearsed this, <laughs> this, this is your proof that it is oh, absolutely the first seat poem, of our pants. The first poem that comes up was written by a seven-year-old. It's going to be it's perfect. Going, it's perfect. Going to be up. Yeah. Not my daughter, is it? No. <laughs> no, it could be. The colouring is, is extremely good. There's a okay. picture with it too. This is amazing. Amazing. But I am going to change some words. Going for Deezus. 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 Key of Deezus. Key of Deezus. Strawberries are like banjos. While peaches are like violins Bananas are guitars And pears are green No, pears are Bases Are banjos, peaches of violins. The last two lines of this poem are so very poignant and true. Let me spit them for you. <laughs> Fruit is very good for you. <laughs> what are your favourite two? <laughs> Mangoes are accordion. <laughs> All right. My favourite two fruits. Bananas and cucumbers. Cucumbers? Ah, that's, a, that's a vegetable. It's a sideways thinking fruit. Go, take it home, boys. What are your favourite two? Fruit is good for you. What are your favourite two? Guys, rock. That's amazing. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs>